The opinions expressed on this program are those of the host or guest and should not be interpreted as statement of fact. Independent fact-checking and corrections are encouraged. Can we get a cup of coffee in here, please? Good morning, folks. It is Monday. I hate that day. Monday, July 11th, 2022. It is Mikey's birthday. Yay. Happy birthday to my buddy Mikey. Doesn't feel like a Monday to me. It feels like a Sunday because I played a gig on the beach last night, and I'm not used to those beach nighttime gigs on Sunday nights. We usually do them on Saturday nights feeling like a Sunday. I can't believe the weekend went as fast as it did, um, but it was a great and fun weekend, and I hope you had a great weekend, too. Uh, thanks for being here and uh, sharing your morning with us. Now, uh, this week starts uh, something a little bit different. We're going to be having guest hosts, guest co-hosts <laughs> all week long. Uh, the fabulous cat Martin, uh, just known simply as Cat to our little Twitter community, will be joining me around 9.30-ish uh, this morning. Looking forward to having her on the program and co-hosting. Uh, and um, basically, um, Kiera is taking some time off, but I obviously, um, or maybe not so obviously to some people, I don't think she's coming back. And uh, and I don't say that like in in a negative way. I think um, listen, she put in maybe a hundred days doing this stuff. Maybe a hundred days, maybe not. Anyway, you do it for a while, and you get used to it. But if you take a a break from a, from it for a while, and you get your mornings back, and you get your life back in in some way, I could just see her saying, you know what. Well, I'm not getting rich over there. I'm not, you know, spending a lot of my time. And um, let's just face it, she was, she's not um, not all that happy with uh, the whole world not seeing things the way she sees them as far as um, religion, <laughs> spirituality, Jesus. <laughs> so uh I, i'm not really expecting her to be back but at at, in, at the least she will be gone about uh five weeks and so we'll be trying out lots of co-hosts in the meantime uh so this week we, we have a a good lineup of co-hosts and today my guest will be uh the award-winning podcaster from the behind the bits podcast uh, Scott Curtis, which is uh, a comedy interview uh, program, and Scott is a uh, stand-up comedian who got into it very late in life, 53 years old, I think, when he first started 
doing stand-up and then started podcasting right around the time of the pandemic. Uh, Scott's a friend and, and somebody I know and look forward to just uh, reconnecting, touching base, see what he's up to. Uh, he'll be with us probably around 10. Everything I say is probably. <laughs> sometimes people don't show up. Sometimes they're early. Sometimes they're late. You know, we're kind of loose around here. It's a loose ship, mind dog. You run a loose ship over there. Um, listen, I'm no Captain Quig. What can I say? Um, we are brought to you. What happened to my govs? I lost my govs. Hold on. We are brought to you by Governor's um, uh, Comedy Clubs. Man, I'm I'm just a terrible, sloppy little. Uh, podcast host on i'm not an award-winning podcaster obviously uh i don't have what it takes to win the big awards to be mr podcasting anyway uh we are brought to you by govs and we have uh some things in the works um with not only govs but other uh regional comedy clubs that are uh, part of a network. And we are going to be uh, in talks with them this week. And I'm really excited about something that hopefully I'll have more news about in the coming days, maybe weeks, um, about some big things that might be happening here. So um, I wanted to take a look at Govs before we get started here. Uh, what's happening at Govs this week um, by the way, after this program every day, uh, if you're so inclined, Tony Walker with Knock 'em Dead Comedy is the follow-up on Gov's Comedy. Uh, let's see, Governor's Main Room this week, uh, July 14th, Laughs on Long Island in the Giggle Room, special event, special event. And what makes it special? Uh, MC the Queen of Queens, Marcy Green, and headliner Mick Thomas will be there. Uh, so that's uh, July 14th, which is what? It's what, Thursday? I think Thursday. Yes, Thursday. I'm just all over. And then uh, also Cigar Night in Governor's on the patio, which is a good place to have Cigar Night uh, outdoors so you don't stink everybody out. And also uh, All-Star Comedy Show in the main room. Uh, and then this weekend, T.J. Miller, uh the 15th and 16th, uh, T.J. Miller will be headlining the main room at Govs. i got to get T.J. Miller on this program. That's that's a doable thing, and I definitely uh, should get on that. You know me. I'm kind of lazy. Now, uh, in Bohemia at McGuire's, which is part of the Govs Network, uh, on July 14th, the Great Long Island Laugh-Off special event, which is different than the one that's over at Govs. And... Uh, <laughs> Um, it's a laugh-off competition. It's the opening round, the longest-running and most prestigious comedy contest on Long Island returns for another great year of intense competition to see who's Long Island's funniest new talent. Um, of course, I couldn't win that because I'm not an award winner. That's like for people like um, Scott Curtis, maybe... Uh, Maybe Carl Mann could if he comes over here. I could enter one of these competitions, and he can he can win. Well, I'm expecting uh, Carl to come here in October, and that would be good. And then this weekend over at McGuire's, DC Benny, who I'm not familiar with at all. DC Benny's storytelling style of comedy has delighted audiences over 35 years as a Brooklyn-based performer. 
Uh, why have I not know, known him? His third appearance on NBC's Showtime at the Apollo has over 18 million YouTube views. Wow. And he has three stand-up specials, including Comedy Central Presents. Dry Bar was a season uh, finalist on both seasons two and eight of NBC's Last Comic Standing. So he's been around, man. Why don't I know him? But you should know him. If you're a comedy fan, you probably know more than I do. Everybody knows more than I do. <laughs> and Belmore, last but not least, the uh, brokerage over in Belmore. Again, July 13th now, the great Long Island Laugh-Off special event. A lot of these Laugh-Off special events going on at, at the Gov's chain uh, this week. Uh, the great Long Island Laugh-Off competition of 2022 continues. Now, this is the opening round. It's the same, I guess, they're going to do it at all three locations and then the the final big World Series of or Super Bowl of Long Island Comedy will probably be at, at the main room in, in Levittown. And then this weekend, Mark Riccadonna. Uh, Mark Riccadonna grew up in an artsy, uh, an artsy jock outside of Youngstown, Ohio at age 17, like a bad independent movie Mark moved to. New York City in search of himself. I know where I live. I could find myself pretty easily. And happiness. He pursued theater at the American Academy of Dramatic Arts, joining the company after graduation. Uh, soon after, Mark stumbled upon stand-up comedy and found success as a storyteller performing throughout New York City and on the road. Mark Riccadona is there this weekend. So that's what's happening in the Gov this weekend. If you're on Long Island, please do uh, check it out. Uh, and uh, put up or shut up. I, I think this is, uh, I, I should know. Uh, I should know who put up or shut up is. It's better when I have names because I don't remember. But he says, Mark Rucadona rocks. You should have him on the show. I will try to get him on the show. This is part of uh, something I'm definitely working on. Getting the comedians that are performing at all the clubs to be on the program in the morning. It's been like pulling teeth a little bit to be honest with you mornings and comedians it's a tough mix not like peanut butter and jelly i'll tell you that much yeah i thought it was don so i didn't i didn't want to guess because if i get it wrong i'm just the wrong guy i'm wrong i'm always wrong uh today as i mentioned is mikey's birthday mikey uh we had a birthday bash for him on the beach last night wild really fun night on the beach and perfect absolutely perfect weather to be performing on a beach uh last night and so uh it was a fun gig but now it's feeling like a sunday morning for me more than a monday morning except i'm starting to get into the idea that monday is really here um just uh some brief notes coming up later in the week i want to let you know about uh friday I'm going to start with Friday, all the way at the end of the week, because this is, a, uh, I think, a big one. Jess Paul, the lovely and talented uh, actor and film, uh, I mean, a an artist. She's an artist who creates, well, she's a gra great graphic artist as well as an actor, but she's also somebody who creates, um, I want to call it fake food for for movies, television, uh, for advertising and things like that. Uh, she's just a fabulous. I've had her on uh, my show 
the uh, Mind Dog TV podcast. She'll be my co-host for the day on Friday. But joining us will be the fabulous uh, and um, unpredictable Andrew Andrist. Now, Andrew Andrist is is, uh, is a comedian, I believe, uh, who has a special out called The Last Shot of Chemo. Uh, it's called The Last Shot. And I think he's got this weird proclivity to masturbate outdoors anyway he'll be joining us friday that should be an interesting program look forward to talking to mr andrist haven't spoken to him in a month and a half now <laughs> anyway uh so that's uh the friday show now uh thursday night uh david edward dr david edward will be on the mind dog tv podcast the evening program and um he claims, big claim, to have found Atlantis. Now, if you listen to me at all, you know I'm a, I'm a huge skeptic when it comes to <clears throat> mythology around Atlantis. Um, but I am really interested in. Now, I I say I'm a uh, a huge skeptic with the mythology around because the the mythology is just huge. It's magical. It's it's uh, too much to believe in in my opinion. But I am very open mind to the possibility of a a civilization that happened before history started dating these things that possibly could have been destroyed somehow in. Um, cataclysmic event, maybe a flood, maybe an earthquake, whatever. And I'm definitely interested in what might have been the starts of a civilization that might have been very advanced for its time. I don't believe there was 10,000 years ago, 15,000 years ago, there was a civilization with the kind of technology, you know, on the level we are, find ourselves here in the 21st century. Uh, I just don't, I don't think that's, I don't think that's worth taking really seriously. And I know a lot of people do. I'm not sure where Dr. Edward falls on that, but I know he has worked with Jimmy Corsetti. I saw Jimmy Corsetti on Rogan probably about a year ago. And I a lot of the things he said were more grounded, more based in the kind of ideas that I have about it. In other words, there might have been the roots of an advanced civilization that got destroyed before it became the kind of clusterfuck that we find ourselves in today um, with basically putting more um, technology towards weaponry and killing each other than we do for any really noble good purposes. So, you know, there's that. And so I know he works with Jimmy Corsetti. I wanted to get Jimmy Corsetti on. I don't want to say that this is the next best thing. Um, Craig, good morning, Craig. Good morning to everybody over in the chat room, by the way. I didn't say good morning. They had Twitter. It killed them. Uh, maybe it was, they had true social to be honest. 
Uh, I don't want to go down that road. Do I Do I want to go down that road of um, Mr. Freakout over there on Truth Social, uh, starting to feel the walls uh, closing in on him and just, like, lashing out about everybody? It's funny. It's so predictable. Uh, I'm going to – I have to go down that road now just a little bit. Trump uh, losing his mind on Truth Social, calling – Elon Musk, a bullshit artist, and he's a you know, con man. Trump calling another billionaire a bullshit artist and a, uh, a con man is just, I mean, that's so deep in, in irony. No, irony? Is it irony? It's just so fucking hard to hold on to is this uh, Trump calling another billionaire bullshit artist and a con man. But He's so predictable in that he's talking about the January 6th stuff and he's saying nobody, <laughs> they're not allowing anybody on my side to testify, which is fucking hilarious because absolutely everybody who's testified so far has been part of his inner circle. His daughter, his son-in-law, his hand-picked attorney general, his lawyer, his lawyer's consultant, his campaign advisors. His White House staff, every single person who has testified, most of them have even said they would vote for him again. These are people that were his loyalists. Jason Miller. Everybody. It's like you couldn't get more people on your side to testify if you were John Gotti with guns and money. And he said, well, nobody. Nobody on my side is testifying. Every, the only people who have testified are on your side. Your lawyer just testified Friday. Your personal lawyer. Not your personal lawyer. The lawyer for the presidency. Pat Cipollone. Nice Irish name there. Um, so the idea that, you know, nobody's telling his side of the story is just preposterous. It's a, and he's freaking out about that. But he's feeling the walls closing in. And he wants to declare that he's running again. He should just do it. Everybody knows he's going to make a run for the presidency. Uh, But I think, I really think he's kind of uh, out of options here. Um, There are people still within the Republican Party that if he won the nomination would vote for him again. But I think a lot of Republicans are saying... um, how did we get ourselves behind this fucking clown? And isn't there somebody who represents us and can still own the libs? Because <laughs> that's important. That's the most important thing, own the libs. Uh, but isn't just a complete fucking clown show. Uh, I think a lot of people are, are, I think his act is worn very thin with a lot of people in the Republican Party. And a lot of people would actually like to see him go down in flames. That's all I'm going to say on that. I don't want to get too into the politics, but just watching him have this breakdown. And the other part before I move on, I'm not quite done with that yet, is this idea he wants people to believe that um, Cassidy Hutchinson was lying about everything she testified. But the most important thing to him, and this is something nobody in the, in the media has touched upon, and I think this is an insight into the man, He's really upset about the ketchup. (laughs) The ketchup story 
and he can't understand. See, he obviously is capable of rage. We know he's capable of rage. Anybody who doesn't know that man is capable of rage has not been paying attention. But his ex-wife, the mother of his children, testified under oath and, and put in a sworn affidavit that he banged her head against the wall and ripped her hair out by the roots with his bare hands because she recommended the doctor who did his hair plugs back in the uh, late 80s. And then he raped her. That's what she testified to in court. That's what she put in doctor. We know the man is capable of rage. So the, to understand that he's watching something on television that's not going his way and then throws a hamburger and ketchup against the wall is not a far-fetched thing for anybody to believe. He wants you to believe he's not capable of that. But here's the, what, where it gets really weird for him, uh, because and nobody's touching on this. He said, um, in, in refuting Cassidy Hutchinson, why would she help clean it up? Stick with me here. Why would she help clean it up? In other words, that's the maid's job. But she walked in and saw what was happening and saw the maid dealing with this crap and started to help. Trump has no understanding. Why would you help somebody? Why would you help somebody who's beneath you? She's just a maid. You're an assistant administrator to... Uh, the chief of staff of the White House. Why would you help somebody? That's his claim. Nobody in the media is talking about that, but that is super insightful into the person Donald Trump is. Why would you help somebody, somebody who's below you? You're going to get down and do actual work for somebody who's not on a human being? You're going to help another human being? Wait, I... It's proof, positive, he has no concept of empathy. Can't feel it. Can't understand it. How could somebody actually get down and help somebody clean up ketchup off a wall? That's what you're dealing with, folks. Anyway, uh, today's show is brought to you by Waker Coffee. Are you awake? Waker Coffee, and you know this if you've listened to the program, um... Waker Coffee, there it is, man. Waker Coffee is an instant. And you know that I'm not a big fan of instant coffee. I'm a brewing guy. But there are people who live much more busy lives than I do, much more hectic lives. People who don't have the time to say, eh, my wife made a wee, cup of wee pot of coffee. I need, to, I need to make a new pot just for me. Like me with my whiny little... Oh, I need I need strong coffee. So a lot of people don't have time for that. And Waker Coffee, if I may, can I uh, show you some Waker, 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 Waker. Maybe I should, <clears throat> if I could share. Where's my Waker? I, oh, here it is. Um, I'm going to share this. Uh, Waker Coffee is really the best uh, instant coffee. It's bringing it back. You don't need any special coin. You just put hot water in a cup and you can make it strong or weak based on how much water you put in. That's a simple 
a simple thing, right? Uh, and why can't I find my wake of coffee? Oh, here it is. I, I'm just like blind, deaf, dumb, and all that stuff. Wake of coffee. We want to make your day a bit easier. Uh, quality instant coffee and teas are your effortless solution for delicious drinks at home or on the go. Now, I want to look at these people. Aren't they happy with their wake of coffee? It comes in these little bags. You just put it in a and with some hot water, and you're ready to go. Now, I want to tell you about David, this de- geeky little founder. I guess I shouldn't call him geeky. He's a sponsor, but he's a geeky kind of guy. Now, this is a New York City apartment. Now, uh, Kat will be able to talk to us about New York City apartments, I'm sure, and how, uh, you know, there a lot of New York City apartments. If you're not like uh, Madonna or somebody with, like, millions of dollars to spend on an apartment – Kind of small living spaces, and sometimes the uh, you know even just a coffee maker is in there's no room for it. Look what this guy's got his microwave on top of the refrigerator. It's it's David was the this geeky little fellow's name here. Should I stop calling him geeky since he's a sponsor? This handsome geek, uh, David <laughs> David came up with the idea of Wake Up Coffee while living in New York City, juggling a hectic schedule as a full-time undergraduate student with a full-time job. David relied on coffee to fuel his daily routine, and who the fuck doesn't? Uh, however, he quickly discovered that frequently uh, frequenting coffee shops, now that's an elitist thing to do, folks. You don't go to fucking Starbucks. Uh, and, and making coffee, now that's a normal thing to do, in a, a com- cramped New York City kitchen was complicated. Was complicated? Not really complicated. You, you put more water in the machine, you put your coffee. Anyway, uh, time-consuming and expensive. He honed in on a solution that wasn't, uh, that wouldn't require additional equipment and fast to make instant coffee. What a genius idea, instant coffee. I wish I would have thought of it. Anyway, Wake a Coffee, the link is in the description. It's good coffee, good instant coffee, not shitty instant coffee like, I don't know, say Folgers Crystal that Craig is drinking out there in New Mexico or uh, whatever other instant coffees you have out there, powder in a cup. This is actual uh, freeze-dried beans, coffee, real coffee beans, easy to make. Uh, and you're going to love it. Now, if you sign up today uh, using our link, you're going to get 20% off your first order. You can't beat that crap, folks. Quick instant coffee. Anyway, uh, let's get rid of the, that. Let's stop the screen. There you go. Get out. Now, speaking of waking up and needing coffee, uh, our first guest host in the big uh, guest host of Thano, uh Guest hostathon, that's what I'm calling it. A guest hostathon is uh, a friend. You love her. You uh, appreciate all her uh, talents. She's a mixologist uh, and a singer and a funny lady and a friend. And let's welcome in. Good, guy. Uh, Good morning. Look, <laughs> you, you seem awake. I'm awake. I set an alarm and everything. Wow. <laughs> Uh, it's not as bad Wait. as you thought it would be, is it? Um, no, you know what? Uh, I'm not used to talking to people the first hour and a half of the day. So Me neither. I, I don't. Yes. I, I would shoot somebody if they if, <laughs> if it weren't for this. 
Mm. If somebody was just talking to me in my house, I would just say, go away and um, get into You even fight. say, go away. I just give dirty looks. So that's <laughs> <laughs> like, um, why are you why are you speaking to me? But good morning, Starshine. It's so oh. nice to see you. <laughs> oh, see, we got you to sing on the program already. I did All it. Right. I'm going. Please. Wait, you, got, you got to do an ubi waba nubi bop bop nubi whatever the hell he does. Um, you could do that part. <laughs> yeah. New York City apartments, uh, is it uh, pretty small if you're not super rich, right? Oh, yeah, absolutely. I mean, you can maybe find a slightly bigger price for, you know, your range, but you're you got to be Madonna, like you said. You got yeah, yeah. to have you got to have the a disposable income. But you know what? The sad thing is the super rich don't even use these apartments very much. So they they sit here vacant. Yeah. So. Now, My well, plan I, would be to get in one. <laughs> you grew up on Long Island, right? And so I did. You know where I'm coming from, and the idea of buying an apartment mm. is like what you buy a house, you rent an apartment. New York right. City, you buy apartments. Can you explain well, that? Yes, <laughs> I can. Because a number, maybe about ten years ago, we said, "Oh, let's buy an apartment because you're, you know, it's better than renting." But um, in all actuality, you don't really get the apartment. You get shares in a in a in a in a, a stakeholders kind of thing, um, and you own shares in the building, and you're responsible for fixing up the building when it needs to be fixed up. That's what co-ops are. So you're paying your your mortgage, but you're also paying a co-op fee, which basically is rent, and you're also paying tax. So it's 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 almost like you're paying more for nothing. It's it's beautiful. It's it's you know. It's not right. ideal. You yeah. have to have a lot of money. Yeah. Yeah. It doesn't if that seem, makes sense. It doesn't seem right. Uh, it doesn't seem right at all. But, I, you know, it's like uh, if if we can relate to the common man and common woman out there, if <laughs> uh, out there in, in the middle, middle of uh, America, it's like own, buying your own trailer but still having to rent the land that you put the trailer on and all that kind of stuff. <laughs> yeah. Like you own what's your interior, you own what's inside. But if the roof goes on your co-op, you, they'll they'll charge you more maintenance um, to fix the roof. So it's like owning an apartment is not really owning much of anything. You're just basically getting more responsibility. And yes, you can turn it over and you can sell it. And everyone says that's how you make money. But there are too many vacant co-ops in this city for anyone to be turning them over. It's not... In my opinion, but I'm not on that level of like, you know, I'm not looking at million dollar co-ops or anything. No, tell so. tell me a little bit about your story because I, I I know oh, you sure. you have a, a background in publishing, but right now you're not you're you're out of that. You're like semi-retired or fully retired. What's what's your deal? Hey, don't say that R word. Oh, retired, semi-retired. Uh, yes. Yeah, <laughs> I yeah. like to use the word bum. I am a bum. Um, uh, no, no. no. Bum, want... Bums are people who lay on the sidewalk and bite your shoes as you walk by. That's, that's I mean, <laughs> you didn't see what I did yesterday. So. <laughs> <laughs> uh, um, what's my story? Is that what you're asking me? Well, okay. kind of. I mean, how did, why, how did you get out of the rat race? Because everybody wants that life. Nobody wants to go to work for, especially, unless you it's not work unless it's something that it's your passion, right. something you really want to do. People would love to just, I don't well, know, sleep late. I think with, I think with mine, it was the circumstances as I don't know if you heard, but in 2020, there was a pandemic. I don't I know. Heard you about remember it. this? Okay. Yeah. So that is the reason I left my job. 
Um, and then I just didn't want to go running back to a corporate job um, so quickly. And it's now been over two years and I still haven't run back to a corporate job. I mean, maybe a sensible person would. I'm not advising everyone should not go back to work. Um, <laughs> well, you I know what? Most of the people that I've become friends with in this past two years are really, really supporting me not working. Yeah, <laughs> but yeah. they're not literally supporting me not working. So at some I point, yeah, yeah. you get it. <laughs> Yeah, the I idea think, is nice. Yes, and I am finding a similar kind of thing with me because I've been—I was in the corporate world. I was in many worlds, but uh, before yeah, you had a long and storied history, I think. <laughs> yeah, but before this, I was in the corporate world and making good money. And uh, when I left that, it was way before the pandemic. So it, I was—I uh, was kind of a seer, a mm. a prognosticator of some. But I, I, so I felt like something was coming. I definitely did. And I, I said, you know what? I'm not, I don't want to be forced into this. I'm just going to do it on my own. And so I have, it's, and it's still a constant struggle to find ways to create income that don't require me going to a job. Sure. <laughs> or ever going back to that world. So, and it's still a struggle, but I do it, I'm on it constantly. It's worth it's worth putting effort into that kind of thought and that kind of energy uh, rather than feel like you're making somebody else rich for something that you don't even care about. You know, that is, that is, that is part of the problem with being in the corporate world because it, you're so distant from uh, so many parts of the, of the business. And then you're obviously not getting the profits. You're, you're, you're so low on the totem pole as a, as an employee, maybe if you're an executive, you get some share, um, some profit sharing or something. But yeah, even then, it doesn't it doesn't go to the employees. The, and and, and you the know. profit sharing doesn't fill you with passion for whatever the product is. You got to no. really. So in publishing, what what was your job? What 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 did you do? Okay, well, let's see. I went into publishing in uh, 2003, and I started as an executive assistant because I I had not worked in the field of publishing before. I came from other places. I had other. I had like you. I've had other non-connected types of jobs but you were the CIA? I, I mean i can't talk about that come on i know i know <laughs> neither can i because there's really nothing to say but people yeah. i said that once and now everybody thinks well you got a lot this that's not a story it was really not <laughs> the, the least eventful job in my life i'm sorry to interrupt continue i can no i i worked for a guy who worked for the cia once but i've not directly worked oh. for the CIA. Uh, oh. um <laughs> so so i basically i would say i fell into publishing quite accidentally in that when I applied for the job where I worked at the corporation I worked for, I didn't even know they had a publishing division. I thought I was getting a job at a retailer. And I went in for an interview as an executive assistant, assuming I was going to be working in the retail book business. And on the interview, I learned that it was a publishing job and that it was uh, so I just had to quickly pivot and pretend I knew that they had a publishing arm. And I just... <laughs> And I just sort of uh, went with the questions and the guy that was interviewing me was into music. So we sort of bonded about the guitar and I, I had no idea why I was there and they hired me because uh, I'm charming or something, I guess. I don't know. They hired me. And then I told them maybe two years later, I had no idea that there was even a publisher at this company. <laughs> so that's how I got into publishing. I thought I was taking a job in corporate retail because prior to that, I had worked in, I had worked at Borders Books, I had worked at Pottery Barn, I had worked at a craft store. Um, 
I had done all those things in my early career, like while, while I was in school. So I thought this was where I could get the job. So that's how I got into publishing. It was a complete accident. I thought I was going to go work for a major book retailer. And then I was there for 17 years. And, you wow. know, when you stay at a company for a long time, I got lucky. Um, I worked with some good people who said, you know, you can do this instead of that. And I worked pretty much on all aspects except for editing because I have terrible grammar and uh, um, acquisition. I didn't do anything with editing or acquisition, but I did everything else. I did. Wow. I ran their. I ran their slush lunch meetings. You know what slush proposals are? They're like the crap that people mail in. That was fun. Um, I ran their launch meetings, which was like how they, you know, launched the books for the season. I did all kinds of stuff, clerical stuff, copyright, permissions, contracts, like you name it, I did it. Um, and by the time I left there, I was an inventory analyst, which is just as boring as it sounds. So, <laughs> yeah, I, I don't know. I, that, that just knowing that title, I would not want yeah. any part of it. Yeah, it was but quite boring. Was 17 quite boring. years is yeah. uh, several lifetimes for me, like <laughs> in, in, in the business world. I don't think I ever. Just trying to remember the longest job I ever had. I think with hair designer TV uh, in the hair and beauty industry, nine years. That was my mm. top. And I I had quit several times within that nine years and they kind of let them talk me back, coming back. But uh, I'm, I guess I'm, I'm not a commitment. I'm discovering this about myself right in this moment. I'm not a commitment kind of guy. I mean, well, my longest relationship is the current marriage I'm on, which is... Uh, 14 years in September will be 15 years. That's shocking to me. But I, I took a year off of bad behavior. Okay. The thing okay. is, when I got when I we, I got separated from my wife, we were really separated for like two days, and then she came over to the house I rented, and so we <laughs> it wasn't a real separation. Okay. That's but, when you bought those Hawaiian shirts, right? Is that was that? Am yeah, I right? Yeah, yes, that's yeah, I remember right. that. You pay attention <laughs> sometimes. Um, yeah, so I got an idea for you, though, as okay. far as um, money making, consultancy from home for people who are in self publishing who need, because, you know, I have questions about how to. I'm, I'm fucking up my book big time. Why? No. I still haven't gotten a new cover back, but um, okay. even beyond the cover, just formatting. And I'm like, uh, the editing came back and they wanted me to change so much that I was like, you know what? I'm going to have to rewrite half this friggin' book and maybe i'm going to change the order around and so there's different kind of editors i did not know about like uh yes. content editors line editors and all that kind of stuff i wasn't yes. aware of that you know i'm just there's, a yeah, guy there's... i'm just yeah. a guy <laughs> you have a story you have a story to tell so that's more than a lot of people have yeah some people want to write a book and they have nothing to put in it but they still want to write right, it. But At the least point just... I'm making is your information, your insight into how publishing works is worth some money to folks like me. Well, when you put it that way, yeah, of course. Yeah. <laughs> so, so, And you wouldn't have to do a whole lot other than talk about what you already know in, from right. home. It's like a phone call. Yeah, now send me, a, Venmo me 150 bucks for that. Thanks. I mean, <laughs> you could be right. I do know, I do know people in the industry too that, you know, that maybe want that kind of thing for their authors. I know some agents and everything, but um, I don't know. I think I'm, I'm, I feel like I'm steering hard away from anything like that, which is, I don't know, maybe I'm making a mistake. 
Maybe I'm an expert and I should be charging people. I don't know. Well, yeah. What? And you know what? It, 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 I don't want to tell you what to do, but I mean, it, no, please. It, I'm always, need... I'm always I... looking for ways to cash in on doing as little as possible with what you already have. Like, right. And if you have that expertise, that just and it doesn't have to be like, you don't have to be um, CEO of a Random House to have the kind of expertise I'm talking about. Just right. because there are people, I know, I knew, absolutely nothing about publishing a book and everybody oh you just go on amazon it's so easy and then you find out wait no it's not this formatting everything matters word count matters to your format and all that kind of stuff yeah it's a You're nightmare right. yeah yeah all right well we'll talk about that let's talk about that right. whenever you want <laughs> yeah, yeah yeah um so when did you be uh obviously uh you've always had an interest in in uh potent potables for 20 alex <laughs> potent potables for 20 um were you a bartender did you just learn it on your own do you get like when, i've never when, no i've never been a bartender um i would say it was it would just come from the love of the of the booze product the, the, <laughs> but the, the art the craft the art the art and craft and i would say the cocktail making stemmed from not having a job um, just because it, I mean, as you know, I don't know how much it is, how much it costs out on Long Island to go get a, a, a gin and tonic or something, but it's, it's way more expensive. And then $14 when you, last night at the place uh, I played. Yeah. I mean, that's, that's so, so because I wasn't working the past two years, I mean, not that I wasn't drinking before 2020 because I was, but I wasn't making as many things because I would go out and I would spend my corporate money on a stupid $17 cocktail and then have another and another. And wonder why I'm tired and broke. I don't, I don't know. Uh, so I started making them and then I don't know, you know what? I have a lot of time on my hands as you, as you do too. I haven't figured out how to monetize it or to make it fulfilling completely, but I'm trying to do that crap that people say, which is do what you love and do what, <laughs> do what makes you happy. And cocktails are a big part of that. They yeah. really are. It yeah. gives me a little bit of joy. To, to make a nice drink. It really does. And I take a picture of it because that's what everybody does. They can't drink anything without tweeting it, for God's that's sake. definitely monetizable. <laughs> Maybe ah, I'm yeah. too much of a capitalist in, in this regard. Because I think everything is monetizable if, you, if you're creative enough to, in your approach to it. You, you'll find people that, you know, you could put together a simple... Uh, either recipe book, I don't know if they even call it recipes in the mixology world, but mm -hmm. or YouTube channel or all that kind of stuff, all of it, uh, and it's all kind of definitely monetizable. You'll find an audience who loves that stuff. Um, so yeah, you know, do what your heart tells you to do. That's my advice. Follow your heart. My heart tells me to sleep late. <laughs> yeah, mine did too. I never thought. I when I first started this, I was like, I'm out of my mind because I was never a morning person. Even uh, I would get up for when I was doing the one o'clock shows. I would get up at twelve thirty, quarter to one for a one o'clock show. Just roll out of bed and like be groggy as hell, and have to do <laughs> serious interviews with book authors. A bit it that was the business edition. So I was talking to people in business about business, making a lot of money in podcasting doing it because that is. That's the best way if you're in podcasting. You don't have to have a big audience. All you have to do is uh, have something that a sponsorship that ties into the business subject that you're talking about, right. books or all that kind of stuff. And 
Uh, so I made with one guy who was doing um, uh, franchises, and I put him together with a guy who was doing franchise insurance. They struck a deal for uh, $40 million and sent me, they sent me a, a consultancy fee for, for putting them together, uh, a matchmaker fee. that was in uh, tens of thousands of dollars. And so wow. I was like, oh, this is, this is a good way you know, best way in, in podcasting to make money <laughs> quickly. But I hated that. And then I started doing the morning show. And I said, I'll never make it because I haven't seen 8 o'clock in the morning for 100 years. I don't know what that even feels like anymore. But I got used to it. Um, You know what? It actually, and I think you'll find this after today, you'll have more energy today than you've had in, in several days because you got up early and you Engage your brain before noon. <laughs> okay, you could be right. You I could know. be right because I don't. I don't get an early start. I and just I don't, and it doesn't. It doesn't feel. Um, doesn't feel depressing to sleep in anymore, though. It's not like a oh, I don't wake up. I, I. I just. I just go to bed really late too. So I think maybe it'll kick up my whole schedule, and maybe I'll go to sleep a little earlier, and then yeah. I don't know. Get the day. Maybe. You know what? I. I I'm fine with the being a, a person of leisure. <laughs> I don't know how the monet like I don't know how to do the monetizing thing, as you said. Um, I don't, but I also don't believe that you can just decide. And maybe I'm wrong. I don't. I never believed that you could just decide to do something and then do it. I thought <laughs> I really didn't. You're wrong. I didn't believe. Yeah, I, I didn't believe that. I didn't believe that until the last two years, where I'm just I'm starting to think like this is what I want. But I haven't done anything. I just have the desire. So maybe I should do something that steers me in that direction. And then, you know, then I'll have like, I'll feel competent. And then I'll feel like I can go for it. Because that people call that imposter syndrome, which I, you know. I got I it I big time. Uh, but yeah. I, I'm, I'm able to temporarily delude myself for an hour at a time or four hours at a time in last night's case on, on the stage that I don't suck. And that it somehow. But you, do, but you don't suck. That's the thing. You, you don't. You've, you put work into it. You've gotten somewhere. You don't suck. That's what I'm, that's the thing I never did. I always thought, oh, sure, I, I could. I my way through life, yeah. guy. I, every, uh, see, everything you, I no. do. No, I, I am not saying, I don't, that's not false humility. I know, okay. I, I, some of it was intentional. Like, I know I'm bullshitting everybody. Like, last night, and, and last night was one of the first times my brother ever saw me with the band. I know he was looking at me like, wow, look at my, my kid brother up there. He's a rock star. And I'm mm. thinking, any guitar players in this crowd know, what's that hack doing on the stage <laughs> but uh uh and everything i've ever done so just deciding you want to do it and doing it and i had experience in radio but when i decided to do a podcast it was at 6 30 at night and i did my first podcast at eight that night and then really? within a week people were calling me and saying you really know how this works can we give me some advice and i was like i don't know what the fuck i'm doing man <laughs> but oh i got oh so you think i know what i'm i'm talking about well yeah sure i can give you advice um and basically uh faking it i'm just i'm just i'm a fake i'm a phony okay. But so how, how how do you sleep at night lying to people all day? You sleep good? You sleep on your stack of money? You sleep I've never slept well. 
I never in my life I've never slept well, but it's not because of guilt about me being a phony because that, that's I was born to be a phony in that way. But <laughs> that's who I am. That's not why I don't sleep well. Uh, and you know, every position with the cablevision thing. When I I became an executive for cablevision, I hired myself. I walked in off the street. They were, I, I was doing interview after interview with the guy, and he was strong. And finally, I just said, I'm going to go there and start working and sending them bills. And I sent, yes. sent the bills and be, went through the promotional thing. Like, they sent me to executive training and all this stuff. And within six months, I'm an executive in this company. I'm like, did you ever see uh, How to Succeed in Business Without Really Trying Robert Morris? Mm-hmm. That's who mm-hmm. I was. Like, I was on my way to becoming CEO like from a little how-to book. And yeah, it, but can, how how am I supposed to do that now? There's there's they they have the internet. They check things. That's that's like a that's like a here's my piece no, of paper resume thing, right? They, they don't. don't. They don't. <laughs> they absolutely don't. They see it and they say, "Wow!" And they <laughs> who who's got time to go check it? I don't. You know what? Um, I'm not. Oh man, I sound like I'm encouraging people to lie on, on job interviews. You kind it, of are. I kind of am, but um, I've hired people. I've been in that position because I did make it to executive levels in lots of different companies and been the guy doing the hiring and looked at resumes, and I never checked any of them. I kind of tried to get a feel for the person. Are they bullshitting me? Some things you accept that they probably are a little bit. They're probably exaggerating to some extent. Um, And, you know, you're taught to ask these like ridiculous questions like what's the thing you're most proud of in your previous position and i you know i know because i exaggerated uh some of my success stories i know people are but you look at them and say how much are they really exaggerating are they being do they believe it's true do they feel like they they were competent in the last position will they be a good asset you know how much effort it takes to go uh, do a whole background check and all that stuff and find out all it's too much I just want to hire a good person fill that spot and get get rolling with it mm. and that, uh, that's not not uncommon among executives they just want the position filled yesterday yeah but I don't I'm not, I don't want anybody to really actually go for a job I want everybody to work for themselves do what they want to do that's what I'm really saying fuck the job interviews that's what I'm saying Well yeah that's what I'm thinking should I should I get good at that again I think a consultant sounds good I yeah, yeah. I I, I, you know. I would I do have two things that I would monetize yesterday okay. and that's the consultancy and mm-hmm. a uh, a drink channel a drink book whatever it is but find mm-hmm. a way to make because you're really good at that. You're entertaining. You have personality. Everybody loves you. Now, and I know that feels. You know, I know who, how, how you are. That's you can't. That's hard to accept. But you are delightful, and people do love you. And uh, they will. They will tune in to watch you make drinks and and copy along, and they will become loyal. Yes. Ask the chat room. They're all backing me up on this. Everybody's backing me up on that, right? See. Yeah, I can't. I can't so see cool. the chat. Let's see. Aww. Oh. Wait, can I make the chat visible to you? I sure, I think I can. Um, uh, I think so. In the side, I've seen it before on uh, yeah, settings, the last rights. Settings, general audio, blah, 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 blah. guests. Uh, guests can see viewer comments. There you go. Can you hey, see them now? There we go. I see private chat and now I see comments. Yay. Yeah. Oh, my goodness. Oh, there's a lot of them. How do you keep up with this? 
I know. I know. <laughs> That's why. And people get mad at me if I don't comment back to Adam. Like, you know how many comments there are in here? It's like, yeah. And there are many different rooms, so people don't even see each other. It's, it's, it's a mess. But, um, <laughs> look, you, I, I. Oh, God. You, oh, I was just going to say, I appreciate that you had me on here I, at all. I mean, at all. That's where. That's how far I am into the. What do I have to offer? I'm just like, why do you want me on your show? <laughs> no, I know, I know. I, I believe me. I, I relate to everything yeah. you say. I feel that yeah. myself. Like, why are people? Why would anybody tune in to to listen to me talk about crap? Um, so how do we quiet? How do we quiet that? How do you? You've gotten past it. How do I quiet that? That thing that tells me not to. I mean, first of all, what is that? Is that is that my self doubt? Is that my parents? <laughs> what is that that I'm hearing in my voice that in my head that says, you know, uh, David you know, Letterman and kidding. Johnny Carson had it big time too. So Elvis had it. Uh, it, it it's just it, it's the natural tendency to say there are a lot of people out there. I'm one person. Are they seeing through me? Is it all like you know? Uh, but it's like a pool. You can't just stick your toe in. You have to dive in. You'll get once you start. You get used to the water. Everything feels right, uh, but it's it's getting in. That's the hard part. It's, it, that's the ambivalence. That's the I'm afraid to get in. But once you're in, it's like oh, I can I can deal with this. And when you get through it on your first one, you're like, wow, that was kind of fun. I enjoyed that. I don't really give a shit what people thought about it. I enjoyed it. I mean, and I hope other people, and don't get me wrong. I'm not saying I don't care if people don't, people are pissed off. Of course I want people to enjoy it. But if I enjoyed it, I'm going to try it again. It's like anything, you know, anything you, you like. It's like my first hit of pot. I was like, wow, that wasn't bad. I think I'll, I'll try that again. And then they just kept doing it. And keep well, doing then it. that's, that's what I, that's, I guess that's what I, I'm finding you just keep doing it. And you I need say somebody even, to push you into the pool, which is me. That's why I'm here. <laughs> I will say a lot of people uh, who I've become friends with in the past couple of years have been really good at trying to encourage me to do something different. And I think sometimes the people in your life, it's not that they don't think to encourage you, but they're just, they just don't think they have to. I think that's what it is. I think the people that you're around all the time don't think that you need encouragement. And I think strangers and nice people have been more encouraging to me than, sorry, family, anyone in my family. <laughs> yeah. If that makes any sense. No, that it makes you know, perfect sense. Like they're and too close to you to, you know. Yeah, having two know. two wives, I can tell you this. My very <laughs> my my first wife was super supportive. She because I met her on a gig. She was she was a fan. Uh, and, and she was a kid, and I didn't know she was a kid. Uh, uh -oh. she was, since she was in a bar, she was of age. Uh, turned out she was seventeen, uh, <laughs> and I was twenty-three. Um, oh, okay. Yeah, yeah, it wasn't I mean, that big, right. but uh, it's still it's illegal. <laughs> but I I didn't know that, and she was with her her sister who was was just of age, and I did not know that at the time. But I ended up marrying her. She was super supportive. Uh, she to the point where um, she took like a a stake in my success and was kind of like a manager of sorts. Now mm -hmm. my current wife 
could care less about it. She doesn't understand anything about what I do. She doesn't, she doesn't come to gigs. She doesn't care about it. She, you know, she can't understand why I would even want to do it. And I feel like if I were young and that were the situation, that would kill my dream. That would kill kill my passion. That would kill everything that I do it for. You're the person you, people you're with are not into it and don't understand it. It feels like um, it's it's hard to put your drive into it when you, when people feel like what the hell is that? That's just you know, <laughs> pipe dreams and, and nonsense. So. Right. Every time I think of and and I'm I'm excluding I'm saying family. It's a generic term, obviously. I don't I don't mean the the wonderful man I live with. I'm talking about the way I the way I grew up. I'm talking about the way I was raised. Right. Uh, You know, to to not expect too much. To you know, to just uh, everybody can do what you can do, kind of thing, and just just go get a job and just just don't ask me for anything. That's kind of the the mantra that I grew up with. You know, we. in a big family. I was one of many kids. My mom took in foster children. So if we were like alive at the end of the day, that was a successful day. It wasn't so much like, how are you feeling today? What do you want to work on? It was like, oh, you're here for dinner. All right, let's eat. Go wash up. Good night. It's, you know, it's maybe that's part of this. Like, so you just do what people people tell you to do in a way and just. Right. Did you ever <laughs> stop and ask yourself, what do I what do yes. I want to do with my life? Finally now. Now. Finally. But Finally. When, not when you were younger. No. I thought that was this generation. Not this generation. The, my nephew's generation. He's he's going to turn 40 next year. He was at my gig last night. I was, I was in shock that he's going to turn 40. But I remember when he was five or six asking him what he wanted to do with his life. And he was, you know, he, of course, you ask a five or six-year-old, they can't, I can't think seriously like that. But I, I remember trying to drill into him, you have to find something you love and you'll be happy. This is the key to a good life. Find, find out what's going to make you happy and then pursue it. And neither him or my son at the time, uh, when I asked the questions, none of them, neither one of them, had any clue, and uh, I was frustrated by that. How could you? Because mm. I, I remember wanting to be a rock star when I was a kid. I mean, and it, of course, it never happened, but I, mm. I definitely um, wanted to pursue that, and that drove me into music. And I made a decent living in music my whole life, and would never regretted a single moment of the stage time i regret Mm. i regret the um the booking part of it that's always a hassle that's what people don't understand too i think is when you pursue your passion your dream whatever it is there's going to be parts of it that totally suck and you have to Mm. be prepared for that i think a lot of people first time they run into the the sucky parts of it and the sucky part can equal the amount of time that is great. The, the, the reward part of it <laughs> that can scare people off too. So yeah. I think but. you also have to have the resource. When I was younger, I didn't have the financial resources to say, Oh, I'm going to drop this and focus on something else. It was like, go to school, get a degree while you're in college, you're going to work, work, work. Cause you're not, you don't have a scholarship. You're you know working for it. And then when you get out, you're kind of on your own. Now I went to school for psychology because I thought this was going to be like, people like to talk to me, I can help people. And I will say like halfway through that education, I realized psychology was a lot more of a bullshit 
than I yeah. thought it was before. And yeah. um, I was a little disenfranchised, disillusioned, whatever the dis word is, um, <laughs> for that. And I just was like, well, okay, I got a degree. It'll help me get a, a different type of job. And I, 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 I don't know. I feel like I just took whatever came along. And if I, if I was running out of money and I had to go somewhere else, I would go get another job more like, so I guess having enough money to live was my motivation probably until I was my early thirties. That would yeah. be, it would you be know. just, just survive, just pay your rent, survive, whatever you got to do job wise, two or three jobs, whatever. And so like, it wasn't until my early, early thirties that I started to think maybe I could do a career, even though it wasn't in my major. Um, and that's when I sort of got into corporate life because they paid better, but not because I loved it not at all. Not at all. Yeah, Who I know. loves that? Yeah. So, yeah. And uh, I totally get the idea of uh, feeling like something is, is bullshit. Cause I, you know, I was a, a clinical therapist for a while. Okay. <laughs> as, as strange as it seems, it seems uh, me help me helping people and, and being and No, uh, well that, that I can see. I mean, that I can see. I just need to say that I did the worst job trimming my bangs. I, I've stopped touching my hair. Go on, please. No, but I, I felt like at some point I kind of, the veil was lifted. And I'm like, this is all bullshit. This, you know, people, I, I felt like I was charging them for work that they were doing. Sometimes, And I found myself bored by stories. People were telling me stories and I'm like doodling stuff on a pad. Like, <laughs> I hate to tell you, but your life is a fucking bore. That's why you're not happy. You're a boring person. And I, I'm thinking about when you leave, I'm going to get so fucking stoned just to <laughs> just to have something funny to think about because you bored mm -hmm. me to tears. <laughs> that is you. a that is a real concern. And I, I thought about that, too, a little. I realized other people's problems are not they're interesting to me on some level. If but then, they're interesting. If they're right. But then <laughs> but then I started to think about like. So then what if these people keep coming back to you and they haven't they haven't even tried to fix themselves like the opposite thing of you. They're doing all the work. I'm just thinking I'm going to be beating a dead horse with someone. I'm going to resent everybody. I'm not going to think these people are even worth helping. And that's, you know, that's a stupid reason not to do something. But I, re I really did think that I was like, I'm not going to care about these people's problems. Yeah. And well, I also thought, you know, as a young person, how do you help someone with their problems? 22, you get out of school, you're going to. You're going to help an adult with their marital problems. You're going to help a, a a person who doesn't have money to like. I, it just seemed like such a, 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 I don't know, like a like an odd leap for a young person to be like, oh, I'm an expert in this. I would think you go into it now. You go into it, you know, at my age. Even though I don't really want to do that either. I like right. people, but I don't I love them. I, I know. <laughs> yeah, uh, but speaking of psychotherapy, uh, uh -huh. our, our guest has arrived, and uh, he. Oh, great. He probably needs some. Uh, I'm gonna. I'm just. Scott uh, Curtis is the host of the award-winning Behind the Bits podcast. Now, this podcast is not award-winning. It's um, award-losing. I have. I'm the host of an award-losing uh, podcast, but Scott is the host of an award-winning podcast. I just want to say that th he. He got friendly with our friend Jamie Dykes uh, for a period, but I believe. They've had a falling out, and I, I want to get, uh, so psychotherapy-wise, I want to get to the root of their internal um, discomfort with each other, or their falling out. So let's welcome in the host of the award-winning Behind the Bits podcast, 
Uh, Scotty, not the hot, not too hotty. Hey, hey, hey. Good, good morning. Good morning. Looks like I need to adjust my background a little bit here. No, you don't. All right. Your, your All right. background is fine. Your background is in corporate you, sales. You can, you, oh, you can oh see, I thought you, you meant. See, you can see the edges. Yes. <laughs> you're, you're an edgy guy. Yeah. You're, yeah. you're an edgy comic. <laughs> <laughs> What's happening, Scott? I haven't oh, seen man. you in a while. I tell you, I am about as uh, happy to be here as. Oh, you turned black. Oh. Any, anybody can. Anybody can. Uh well, well, that's good. What does that say about David Lynch on your microphone? Uh, directed by. Oh, you are directed by. So, yeah. Scott, before I get into this, why you hate Jamie Dykes' guts now and want him dead, um, award-winning. How do you how do you go about creating an award-winning podcast? Because I, I, I nobody recognizes my great talent whatsoever. Well, um, first of all, you find an award. And you lobby heavily for it and st stuff the ballots because it's uh, it's by vote. And that's how you win. That's how you beat Dax Shepard. Uh, oh, you beat Dax Shepard? <laughs> yeah. Wow. My hat's off to you, but I was never on. But it's off to you anyway. I... <laughs> so, so what I did is I actually held a telethon for votes. This is back in 2020. And... <laughs> I, I just I just kept going until I felt like I had enough votes to win and then I got up the next morning and guess what I won. So you're a whore. Yeah. You are. you, you got it. <laughs> All right. I could do that. I could nah, he's, a a mo he's a motivated whore. That is a that's good right, motivation that's right. right there. Now, <laughs> I, I won I, a I that gosh darn award. award. Yeah. I have to find an award that fits me and I don't know I don't even know what I am. I haven't identified exactly what I am to seek out an award for what I do. Because it's not like a typical podcast. This is more like a morning radio show, and it's but it's not on terrestrial radio. It's not on Sirius XM yet, or whatever that is, Sirius XM. So I don't even know what I am. What am I? That's a tough one for reward, awards and stuff, too. You're kind of a shock jock, I'd say. I am a shock jock. Yeah. I'm, a, I'm, a shocking, I'm a shocking jock. Yeah. who's not a jock anymore. An old did you notice been. I wore black so that we'd match? I did. Thank you very much. And you, yeah. you shaved your head so we'd match. And you're wearing glasses yeah. so we'd match. I know you yeah. don't normally wear... I know you have a full head of hair and normally don't wear glasses. You see fine. Well, that, that's the, the old me. <laughs> that's the old you. So um, tell me, uh, your uh, last time I talked to you, you had just moved to Alabama. Are you making the adjustment? You're, you're an Alabamian? Yeah. Alabaman? Is yeah, it Alabama? is still it's still an adjustment. I we so I mean it's kind of a long story, but we just kind of picked up and left uh, and didn't have any kind of a plan, uh, a home or anything to go to. So I took a job down here and stayed with my son for a couple months while my wife sold the house, and uh, then she came down, and then we we thought we had. A townhouse because we're I mean the big thing we're doing is downsizing we don't we don't want as much space or as much stuff so we got rid of a lot of stuff and a lot of space and we uh, couldn't find I mean we almost had a house and it didn't appraise right so we uh, ended up in an apartment for six months and boy that's a lot of fun 
<laughs> I, I, well, I hadn't been in an you're apartment. You're talking to the wrong person. Cat's in New York City, and she's an apartment dweller. Yeah, and... I mean, I'm not built for it. And you know, when the last apartment I had, I think I was 22, and I'm 58 now. So if that gives you any uh, damn good looking 58, by the way. Thank you, thank you. I. <laughs> So the apartment was okay. We stayed there for six months and way overpaid for it because we got a luxury apartment. And uh, then we finally got a townhouse and we're in it. We've been in it since, um, I think, March. All right. Now, February, I'm, March, I'm, something I'm like that. I'm a little confused here. Now, Alabama and luxury don't necessarily... Uh, <laughs> They don't feel like they go together. Yeah, this is a New York odd little duck as far as Alabama is concerned. Because first off, if you like, if we go out in a group, there will be people from California, New York, D.C., St. Louis. I mean, just all over the place. But nobody's from Huntsville because Huntsville's uh, pretty much a relocate type of town. So uh, yeah, it's a. Uh, it's it's booming it's the fastest growing town in the united states um it was voted number one in usa today for best place to live wow so yeah and that was after i got here so i can understand that yeah you know i definitely could see it there's a comedian in town they have a comedian in alabama now one yeah um, <laughs> your son is a rocket scientist is there a work for rocket scientists in alabama they got a big rocket program down there yeah they're um i mean <laughs> they really do <laughs> wow so do you know the story of huntsville uh, uh so um after world war ii we um acquired some scientists uh that were of german descent right and, yeah paperclip operation paperclip yeah and uh <laughs> And they uh, they actually started the space program here, and so you know the whole the whole Huntsville is pretty much founded by um, ex Nazi scientists. So, yeah, yeah, Huntsville, the most PhD holders in the world. Yes, yes, well, I held a PhD once. I know it was Carl's. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Uh, wow, that's cool. I, I I learned something here today. Um, and that's always good for me to learn something is a major, major, major accomplishment. I Would you like something. me to write it as your temporary co-host? I'm going to note that you learned something today. Yes, learned something. Yes. Thank check you. that one off. Got that. So one of the, one of the coolest moments was, I think it was before we moved down here. My son took me on the, uh, base, which is an army base. Uh, FBI is there and NASA is there and a couple other things. And he took us around, and he's working on the Artemis thing, the new moon thing. And they were putting together a um, rocket for that. And they're in Huntsville. And he said, you're not going to be able to see it. I can't even see it. And we go around the, the big building that they're putting the rocket together, and it was wide open. There was security all over the place, but it was wide open. We could see it. So it was pretty cool. It didn't have like the stuff on it. It was just the insides of it, but we could see it um, when we drove by twice to take two looks at it. So that was pretty cool. Did anybody there uh, take you for an alien? Uh, most people do. I know. I get it all the time. He's tall, he, he's tall and bald. He must be from another planet. There's something know. wrong with that guy. Yeah. Right. Yeah. <laughs> um, 
So downsizing in Alabama, I guess you hadn't ha- you haven't had to buy any slaves yet. Not yet. No. Okay. <laughs> okay. Shot uh, Jack. I know. I'm, I'm doing my shock jack stuff here, getting all the shock jack stuff out of the way. Uh, Jamie Dykes, you hate his guts. You want him dead? No. You know, um, I, I think I think that's kind of water under the bridge. I mean, he talks some shit about me. I talk some shit about him. And um, I think we kind of made up a little bit. Um, the only thing that really freaks me out a little bit is I got to see his legs. Um, oh my god! And and I don't know if you've seen those before. I have. He, he put a I have on. too. Yeah. I mean, he <laughs> he has got the legs of a twelve-year-old boy, and I don't know how he can even hold himself up. So I worry about him. That's why I don't hate him. I'm worried about him. Does he have something? Is there from the waist down? Is there something wrong with him? Did he not develop? I. He I, definitely I is a little boy with a beard in a lot of ways. Um, <laughs> uh, he, he strikes me as, as that because I saw him when he was so excited. He got a new pair of sneakers for his birthday about a couple of years ago. And I was I was like, oh, he's a little kid. He's yeah. a little fucking kid. So what What were they, like a, a, a child size? I, yeah, I don't know. <laughs> Nikes. Whatever they were, he, he was just excited to be wearing his new sneakers. It's like, wait a minute. <laughs> Wait a minute. I remember that. I was 12 when that happened. <laughs> I wonder if I wonder if all the drugs just kind of shriveled up his legs. Everything else is fine. They're just affecting the I don't legs. I think everything else is fine. I don't yeah. He falls asleep on podcasts like at a drop of a hat. I think he's either got narcolepsy or he's on heroin. He's a, he's a sleepy boy. He is definitely a sleepy boy. Right. Now, speaking of on podcast behind the bits, and I got I got the URL going across. Um, well, thank you, I appreciate that. You're back in a full full swing with, with production because I know when you moved to Alabama, you naturally slowed down your production schedule yeah. and all that stuff. You're back in full swing now. Yeah, I've yeah I've got kind of a backlog of interviews, so I've I've got plenty to go up. I'm going, you know, I the purpose of the podcast is to talk to working comedians and people in the industry and i i'm not necessarily looking for the most famous ones in the world i'm looking for people who are making a go of it and either making a living or at least a partial living at it so i i get i get quite a few very interesting stories um from folks and it's really cool and and you know this you um you get to connect with people uh and and as you know you don't connect with everybody you talk to um <laughs> some of them, some of them most, you stop, most i will say most yeah you stop recording and they're pretty much out of your mind out of your life forever but some people you really connect with and uh fortunately i've had a few um a lot of them in the last few interviews that have uh i've made some really great connections and that's that's really that's really kind of a bonus. You know, I'm trying to put out uh, good information for comedians to get better at their craft and get better at actually making money at it. And um, I'm making some friends along the way and that's cool. Right. Um, you seem maybe it's just recently, but you seem to have a lot more success with the ladies than I do. I mean, the lady, <laughs> the lady, the lady comedians, I mean, uh, yeah. it, it, and I ha- it's not for lack of trying. I it tra- Finding them is a difficult thing. And, of course, the morning shows. No comedian really wants to get up this early and do a 
friggin' podcast, a live streaming podcast. Right. But, uh, you know, I have far more men outnumber the ladies, probably uh, nine to nine to one. And, and, you know, in every group of 10, um, what's your what's your secret to the ladies? Um, well, first off, um, I, I I make it a purpose to make sure that um, everybody is represented on the podcast so women people of color um you know all, all different uh, sexual orientations and identities and stuff like that i want to make sure that that's done um and so i'm very purposeful about making sure that i get a, a good mix like that um kind of on a serious note i uh interviewed uh, a young uh, woman comic from indiana and she had uh, gone through some um, pretty significant sexual harassment uh, during her time as a comedian. And I talked to her about it before we started recording. And I said, I feel as an old white man, I don't have uh, the, the right voice to be talking about the issues that women go through as comedians still. You, you think it's gone, but guess what? It's not gone. And it's pretty much the same as it always was. They, um, they get passed over. Um, uh, they get uh, hit on all the time and it's just not good. And she told me that, guess what? Old white guys listen to old white guys. So you should be the one talking about it. So I've kind of made it a mission to make sure that, uh, when those stories come up, if, uh, the, um, comedian is willing to talk about it then i'm going to make sure that it gets talked about because it's something that you know for first off they you know women have just as much right to be on stage as men all they got to do is prove they're funny and they need to prove they're funny to the audience not other comedians so that's that's number one and second off they should be safe in what they do so you know it's kind of a a torch I'm carrying um, because I'm a, a husband and a father of a, a my daughter's 32. So, um, you know, she's right at that age. If she was a comedian, she'd be going through the same shit that the other ones are. So uh, that's kind of a, you know, it's something I took up myself because somebody told me I should and I could. And uh, so that's one of the things I do. And then I would just want to make sure that they, they have a voice and they get out there, even if they're not having those types of issues, I want to make sure that they are represented on my show as much as I possibly can. Yeah, me too. I, I, that's why I, I've, I've been look. I mean, I'm actively looking to promote women in comedy. Uh, and so good for you. Uh, Kat, are you as uh, shocked as I am to find out that Scott is a white guy? <laughs> I mean, I could have I mean, sworn he was like Asian or uh, <laughs> Indian or something. No? Or I Indian, just thought I he guess. was an astronaut. I just thought he was, yeah. uh, he was on the International Space Station. Scott Curtis would be I... the perfect name for yeah. an astronaut, by the way. Colonel I, Scott I... Curtis. I'm saying that because for a second I thought that was an astronaut when you first sent me the link. I went, is this an astronaut? No, this guy is not Scott an astronaut. No. That's Scott Cooper, right? Scott Cooper. I don't know. I thought it was an astronaut name. <laughs> My son applied... I see that you're not an astronaut. No, right? no. My son applied to be an astronaut, but uh, I don't think that's going to happen because he's in uh, – whatever position he's in they need him to do that so that's pretty cool yeah no astronauts tend to be uh 
I, I don't want to. Uh, I'm going to say it. Astronauts seem to, seem to be those those scientists who are on the dumber end of the the science, <laughs> and so they 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 kind of okay. You get in shape. We got a plan for you. Sit on the top of the the Roman candle. <laughs> it's safe. It's safe. Just don't have Sally ride. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sorry, but that's true. I'm not lying about that because I've had I've talked to some people and, and I talked to a former head of NASA off off the air and kind of worked that out of her, beat it out of her. Um, so I think it's true. If so, that means your son is, is smarter than the average scientist or or average astronaut. Yeah, and, they, and astronauts got to be good, really good at one or two things. They, you know, first off, they have to be able to be able to be in that little capsule for extended I, periods of time and just live. And then they have to be able to do their job under pretty weird circumstances, floating around and stuff like that. I would so, never be able to poop. I can't poop in front of people anyway. Yeah. Never mind being in a capsule with three guys and uh, it's like, uh, I got to poop in my suit and then, you know. <laughs> they probably don't hang out with each other while they poop and look each other in the I eye. I think they do. You go off. No, I'm sure no. they go off. <laughs> I think they do. They sit in their suit and let it just happen. And then later on, I, there's a video of one where a, a turd escaped one of the suits and it was floating around. <laughs> in Come the on. Cap. Look of on course you would find that video. <laughs> <laughs> it found me. Mm. But look up, look and get this definitely in your internet history. You want to go to YouTube and search for turd floating in in space. Yeah. Uh, I'm going to pass on that. Uh, <laughs> it's nothing I need to see. Right. So are you still doing stand up yourself now? Or are you are actually Oh man, I I I walked away from that uh so hard and now I want to walk back into it. So um I did, you know, I did like one show since I've been down here and I've been down here over a year now. Um and I did a few open mics and you comedy when you walk away from it for a while and you come back it's not like riding a bike it's uh it's like you got to relearn it all over again so really yeah it's not it's not fun at all well you had an unusual entrance into the world of stand-up comedy because you didn't do it in a club you did it to a an audience who already thought you were funny right do i have that yeah i it was where i work so i had been at uh same job for i don't know 17 years or so and uh another 17 years coincidence (laughs) i'm sorry that that was in her job for 17 years i'm sorry i ruined that whole flow of that go ahead i'm sorry but yeah i so it was it was one of those jobs and we had a holiday party every year that i never went to I, i i never saw the reason to hang out with the people i work with outside of work so i just never went and the guy who uh booked the talent the talent for the show <laughs> said hey we've had a magician the last three years we'd like for you to do stand-up and i said yeah that's funny i'm not going to do that and i didn't even think about it so the next week he bugged me about it again and said hey we we really want you to do this and i said i really don't want to do it and so i didn't think about it and the next week he asked me again and i went home and told my wife and she said well you know you want to do it so just do it and i did it and it was mostly it was all inside jokes because i've been there forever and roasting the people I work with just all 
all kinds of stuff that was very relevant to my job and the people I work with. And I did 45 minutes my first time up because I had a lot of material on those folks. So I really, really enjoyed it. Everybody laughed and they said, boy, you did a great job. So then I started doing open mics after that and found out that was quite a bit different. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> it wasn't a friendly audience and nobody cared what I had to say. So I, <laughs> I had to learn how to actually be funny. So that was yeah. fun. How about how about Johnson from accounting, huh? <laughs> What's wrong um, with that guy? <laughs> He's always sniffing his fingers. I don't know what the deal is there. <laughs> um, if you don't mind, how did uh, how did your colleague know that you would be okay with doing some roast style stand up? I mean, well, was that I'm, just your I've, role at work? You're the cut up kind of, yeah, you know? not necessarily a cut up. Just like <laughs> super sarcastic, and mm -hmm. you know, I would like interrupt meetings and just do something stupid uh, and. Uh, so I, I, I really, really, really like to cut through boredom and when things get bored, boring and, um, just, uh, just basically just, uh, putting me to sleep, then I just start speaking up and being a nut. So I, I wouldn't, I don't know if I would be called the work clown so much mm. because you know it was only certain occasions and w when i felt like it and the rest of the time i was just kind of kept to myself and did my thing so it was it, so somebody saw it in me and uh so yeah it was uh michael dunlap i'll always thank michael dunlap <laughs> for being my uh the guy that pushed me into stand-up you know what yeah. i would do in those meetings i would i would uh, be an arrogant prick and insult my boss and it always that's how I got promotions I yeah. could be in a meeting and I'd get pissed off and I'd just call my boss an idiot and walk <laughs> out storm out and yeah. and, and I'd go home and get a phone call uh, can you come back we want to we, we want to give you a promotion Okay, and it, 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 it was a repeating cycle with me. I was talking about how to succeed in business without really trying. That's what I did. That, and I could write a book on how to go into a meeting, insult your boss, and get a promotion like constantly. It, it was a, it was a, a surefire thing for me. Every time it happened, I, I ended up. Well, he called me an idiot. He must be. He must be smarter than me. <laughs> <laughs> Would you like to? Would you like to earn more money for calling me an idiot? Sure, I'll come back. Yeah. <laughs> um, but we were talking earlier about support and, and having people. And your wife said, "You know, you want to do it, go do it." Your wife is supportive of, of you get, going up at work yeah. and doing stand up. Is she equally supportive of uh, what you're doing now, podcasting? Does she get podcasting because she's our age or your age? Yeah. And she, for a lot of people our age, like, what the hell is a podcast? Yeah. Right? Is she supportive? Actually, so she's supportive of pretty much anything I do. Um, the As far as podcasts, she listens to a ton of podcasts. Uh, not necessarily mine, but she does uh, – <laughs> She she likes uh, true crime and uh, uh, stuff like that. So she's I mean she's really in the podcast and um, she's actually on a club down here that all they talk about is true crime podcasts and documentaries and stuff. So, they are the most popular podcast in the world. People always talk about Joe Rogan being number one. Nay 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 nay. I say yeah. <laughs> the number one podcast is, and I forget the name of it, but it is uh, it is a true uh, crime podcast. I should know the name of it, but um, and the top ten I think are all in that genre. Yeah. 
Mm-hmm. I should do that. I should do an actual a crime in in the planning and and execution of a crime podcast. There you like go. Each, each one would be. A, I'm going to go rob a bank today, uh, <laughs> and I'm, I'm writing out the note. I'm getting my gun together. Gub, put all the money in the in the bag. I have a gub. No, it says gun. No, it says gun. It's uh, Woody Allen. <laughs> Anyway, but no, that would be a. I'm, I'm just came, came up with a good idea for my next show. Anyway. There you go. <laughs> and you yeah. need more shows, don't you? Right. Um, <laughs> the uh, comedy scene in Alabama is there one? Is there comedy clubs down there? Is it? Yeah, is there's it? a stand up live, and we've got a small theater called Shenanigans that does stand up, and there's a opportunity to get up and do open mics Sunday through Thursday. So um, a, a lot bunch more of than PhDs, South Bend where it came from. Well, everybody in the audience is going to be like really smart. So you have to up your game. As far- <laughs> I'm serious. I mean, you, if, if Huntsville definitely has the most PhDs in the world, that would be a concern of mine. Like, holy crap, this is a whole different crowd. This is, these are smart people. Well, uh, um, one <laughs> thing I can't do is I used to have a joke where I talked about my kids being way more successful than me, and I mentioned that my son's a rocket scientist. And when I say rocket scientist down here, nobody cares. <laughs> most of them are rocket scientists or above. So right. it just doesn't – that. so that I had to retire that joke. I'm really sad about it. If I go elsewhere, I guess I can still use it. But, uh, you know – it's funny they still like dick jokes um and and i don't do them but uh yeah they it, it seems like uh you know dick jokes are just uh the the uh universal language of comedy so yeah they're they they laugh at stupid stuff just like everybody else hmm. maybe i should come up with a dick joke book is there a dick hmm. joke book yes probably you say yes you have it oh, i don't have it <laughs> but there definitely is are you sure? Are you did sure you about thesis that? On well, you're publishing. You should know. Thank you. Work. Yes, I I did work in I worked in publishing and I worked in two separate bookstores. So I'm pretty sure there is a there are dirty joke books that specifically Not dirty are joke, just dick joke book. Just, just dick joke. Complete just dick. Dick 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 dick. Okay. No, then I'm not sure. Let's let's get working on that then. I think I think that anything to monetize anything to stay home and never have to leave and get money. I'm with you there. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so um tomorrow my guest is gonna be uh Jeff Dwaskin. You met him, right? Jeff Dwaskin. I love Jeff. He's he's well I'm gonna try and go him into saying some uh, nasty things about you. So if you uh, could if you, you know, Maybe he, he might have little... something on me, but uh, you know, I got nothing bad to say about the guy. Fuck, damn it! <laughs> I, I've never seen his legs, so I mean, you know, he he may have a child's legs like Jamie, but uh, I, I'm betting he does. He looks so he looks a little on the thin side. I have to say, he, yeah. I mean, he gave me some advice. We're we've been in a kitchen remodel since we moved here, and he gave me some advice on backsplash and stuff like that. So, you know, it's, uh, now, is, he je- is he jealous of you and your award? I don't think so. He's won some awards himself. He has. Yeah. Cause he seemed insecure with his, uh, constant, um, nobody knows I have a podcast post. Well, you know, it's funny. We all, we all take a different tact and in, in order to okay. get people to listen. So, he goes with the guilt trip. So uh, you, you, you people are supposed to be my friends. You're not even listening to my podcast. That's a great tact. 
Now uh, my tack is a little bit different. I I actually make memes every almost every day. I put a meme out about me. how shitty my podcast <laughs> is and how bad of a host I am. So <laughs> for some reason that that works for me. People want to yeah. people want to find out how bad it is. Right. Well, I've noticed your memes and memes, memes, memes. They're very funny. I, I enjoy you, you, the, the uh, kinds of promotion you do. And I enjoy Jeff's uh, uh, promotion, too. I try to play along. Sometimes I'm worried that, um, you know, I might take it a little too far because uh, I, I, can, I can go with the joke. Um, <laughs> But but he, his his podcast is very interesting, and he gets some really really cool guests on there. Um, it, I think he has a different angle on it. You are for working comedians, not necessarily uh, famous people. I think he's more towards trying to get as many famous get people with yeah them. more more pop culture. I mean, he just his latest episode just dropped, and it's Robert Klein. I mean, come on. I mean, right. nobody's that there's not a better guess that you can get. And I, I'm a little jealous of that. But, Me too. Uh, but I, I'm a little, because uh, John Paparamo had Robert Klein on here, a, a, on his show. And I was really, because I started trying to promote that forum, and I was really disappointed that many younger people, people, and I'm not saying young people, I'm saying younger, and it doesn't take a lot to be younger than me. Mm -hmm. They don't know who Robert Klein is. To me, he's oh, yeah. like, he's like, on the same Mount Rushmore of comedy that George Collin, Richard Pryor sh should be on. Mm -hmm. And and people below oh, 40, 45 don't know who he is. That's a, that's a fucking sin. If, yeah. pardon, pardon my French. <laughs> that was French, right? Fucking. Oui, oui. <laughs> and it's funny. It's funny. A lot of them don't, but a lot of them do. It's amazing how many, like, 20-something comedians I talk to know more about the... Classic comedians like Robert Klein, Moms Mabley, just, I mean, going way back to the Borscht Belt Moms comedians. Mabley, holy crap. Yeah. Cat, you, really? you know Moms? I do know Moms Mabley, yeah. I do. Wow. I'm, but I sought it out. He, when, when you said comedians know, I thought that was important because comedians who are kind of really into their craft, you can find all that now on YouTube. You can watch yeah. the old clips. And I think if you're not a comedian, maybe you're not motivated to do so. But yeah, right. Mom's Mabley's hilarious, like yeah. pioneer level hilarious. Mm -hmm. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so yeah, I mean uh, th that's surprising. But I was really upset that that people I was talking to about didn't know Robert Klein because to me, he, even more than just a stand up, the guy is like a world of talent beyond stuff that like Pryor and and Colin didn't bring. He was a musical. Uh, really talented guy, yeah, songwriter yeah. and singer, uh, great actor in whatever he's been in. He was in uh, Rain on Me with Adam uh, Sandler, and he he was Adam Sandler's dad in that. And it was like really, and I know he's been in lots of television work as well, but he's just a really, really fine actor too. So there's so much there. It's like this guy, he, you know, he he's an American icon as far as talent goes, and I have the utmost respect for him, and I wish I could get him on. Um, so, uh, behind the bits, I know you have a place that you got to run today. Our time is limited with you, right? Or no, can we keep you for? Um, so far, I'm good. Nobody, uh, there's nothing on fire at work right now. <laughs> okay, good. Uh, so, with, with behind the bits, how, how often are you putting stuff out now? Once a week. 
And uh, usually on Tuesdays, uh, sometimes when I get super busy like I am this week, it's Wednesday. Uh, you know, Cat's uh, <laughs> last name is Martin. Uh, you got oh. are you still doing you still doing your Dean Martin thing? Uh, what is that? <laughs> so that's one thing that I really miss and I regret that I'm not doing. So I used to do a thing called the BTB Internet Talk Show, which was me and however many guests I had on, usually usually myself and three guests, and it was kind of just like an improv free for all type of uh, thing, kind of kind of like this, except for um, absolutely no structure and uh, nothing. So exactly like this. Yeah, <laughs> I was um, going to say there's structure. Here. <laughs> uh, okay. But but for some Sorry. reason, I, and I have no idea why I started this. Uh, uh, Dean Martin would show up and I had a whole story behind it that uh, Dean Martin was he didn't die in 1993 or whatever whenever he died um, he was cryogenically frozen and then uh, they thought him out and because he spent so much money to get cryogenically frozen he was out on the street and I came across and I said Dean how you doing and uh, he's like not good so um, <laughs> uh, he came to stay with me um, and so Dean would pop up every BTB internet talk show and sing a little um, mm -hmm. answer questions and just be Dean and uh, he looks you know his looks have changed he looks a lot like me now um, but he has a hat. Um, I don't know where that hat is right now. <laughs> it's still in a box somewhere. But uh, yeah, I'd really love to get something like that going again. But I, I just, uh, I don't know. It's, uh, I don't know if the magic's still there. I, I had so much fun doing it. And I actually made enemies doing that, so, which was pretty good. So, and this is, I think this is kind of a, a nationwide thing. Um, you know, I mostly had comedians on as guests, and I'm used to comedians being able to take some um, ball busting, ribbing, um, and stuff like that. And so, you know, I'd bring people on, and you know, stuff would fly, and we'd we'd get into each other, and I got you know, we got into a few of them, and they didn't like it. And, uh, <laughs> and I'm cons consequently, I'm blocked by a few people. Wow. <laughs> you know, I, I was talking about that the show. other day. Cause, um, yeah. Jake, Jake Jolly, Jake Danger Jolly, who was a, a filmmaker was on the pod, uh, Podestan with at the same time, Derek Sheen and Carlos Valencia were on and, and Car uh, Carlos was in particular giving Jake a little bit of, uh, uh, you know, ball busting. And Jake ran away, kind of. And I talked to him the next day. I said, what happened? You were on, We were promoting your film, and you had to go. He said, those comedians, man, they were brutal. I was like, that's how they show they love you. Yeah. If you're getting your balls busted by a comedian, you know he likes you. He's trying to, he's trying to welcome you into the fold somehow. Don't be yeah. hurt by that. Um, yeah. but I'm If they ignore not, you, that's bad. Yeah, I'm finding it's not, as, it's not as easy to do anymore. I mean, people get their feelings hurt a lot easier, so... Yeah, whatever. Well, that's sad. Yeah, that, that's sad. I mean, we all have to, especially if you're doing something like this, you have to have a little bit of sense of humor about yourself. Cat was saying, "How do I get past my uh, imposter syndrome or feeling like I'm faking it?" That's you know, you have to have a kind of sense of humor about yourself, and then at the end of it, 
laugh at your laugh at where you fuck up, laugh at your mistakes, laugh at why you are the goofy bastard you are, or whatever it is. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, what else is there to life? But enjoy enjoy your own weirdness. I think is is part of I think how you survive in in show business. I don't know. And oh my, Matt, don't we have a lot of weirdness to enjoy between the two of us? Yes, I think so. I think so. Now, but uh, you are still uh, somehow tied to some corporate stuff, right? You're still doing that. Is that soul killing? Uh, <laughs> so, so I'm not. I'm not currently. I don't currently have any um, uh, regular sponsors. I'm. I'm running ads on the podcast and I get paid for that, but uh, all of my regular sponsors have pretty much left me. Uh, wow. So I'm 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 out searching for more. I've got a meeting with uh, the device I use to keep my head bald uh, with those folks on Thursday. So we'll see how that goes. Uh, and I've I've uh, gone after quite a few different uh, things that I actually use. Like I shop at a, a web store called American Tall. And American Tall is fantastic because it's not big and tall, it's just tall. So I'm not I, I'm not that big. Um, but you're I, cutting the, the potential fat guys out of your audience or not serving. I mean, well, if I were a fat guy, I want to I want to be there's, included. There's with plenty these of guys. places for them to get clothes, but there's <laughs> If I go to a big and tall store, the first size is extra large and it's like a box. So it just doesn't fit me. So I found this place and I wear their clothes all the time. I'm not wearing them right now, but um, whenever we go out and do stuff, I've got shirts, I got shorts, I got pants, I got everything from them. So I, I really gave them a big pitch um, in my email and I got nothing back. And <laughs> I'm like, okay, fine. I, I even said you could pay me in clothes if you want. I mean, I mean, that would be what a, could be better. Yeah, so, yeah. yeah, but yeah, I'm still, I'm still searching, and um, uh, it's not, it's not anything that's on fire for me. But I feel like I'm, if I can bring a sponsor on, I feel like that um, my podcast is good enough that it deserves a sponsor. I mean, yeah, the, yeah. No. I would agree with that one, one, one hundred percent. I think you do quality work, and uh, I think it's one. You know, there are a lot of comedy podcasts out there, but a lot of them are just uh, guys getting drunk and just uh, not not putting out anything of real value to anybody, and nothing that you couldn't walk into a bar. <laughs> somewhere and and experience just exactly the same thing even though they're not professional comedians it's it's just shooting the breeze over drinks What's, there's nothing wrong with that if yeah. that's what you're into but i don't think that's necessarily adding value i think you add value especially to people who are interested in the comedy world and, and in the business of comedy i think you add quite a, a value to people so in that sense sure you're you're you should have uh dedicated sponsors people who get behind you uh we should talk off the air because i got something i don't okay. want to jinx it i got something in the works that might be might be pretty huge business-wise right. uh, i know people out there are like what's he got going on what's he got going on yeah i can't talk well um and, and as far as pos podcasts are concerned one of the things i do is when i have a guest on I first of all, I do a lot of research and I look for all the podcasts they've been on. And sometimes they've been on 
in the last year, they've been on five podcasts. And I will listen to those podcasts as long as I possibly can because they are terrible. <laughs> and, um, and some of the things they do is they have a guest on and the guest doesn't speak for the first 20 minutes because um, the two hosts or the one host is talking about their life, um, talking about um, inside jokes, talking about all kinds of stuff that doesn't matter. It, nobody wants to hear it. Right. I mean, I don't want to hear your inner voice, Matt. You don't want to hear my inner voice. There's, <laughs> it, it's not interesting. Then they get into the guest and they talk over the guest. They, they don't have anything prepared. They don't know anything about the guest. And it just, it, there's nothing there. So um, you, you got the inside jokes. You've got, um, you've got stories that don't matter. And you've got ridiculous small talk. Um, and then maybe in an hour, if they talk for an hour, they've got 10 minutes of good stuff in there. And that's just when the guest is talking. So, I mean, when I put mine out, first off, if I talk more than 20% of the time, that means it's not a very good one. Uh, it means that I couldn't draw that out of people and get them to talk. And second off, I don't make anything about me. My podcast doesn't have a picture of me anywhere. It doesn't have my bio anywhere. It doesn't talk about me at all because it's about them. And I'm too much I, of a narcissist for that. Yeah. <laughs> In the same breath that I say I'm a phony and a fake in imposter syndrome, I got an ego that, or, or love for myself that I can't hide. <laughs> yeah. I've got the same thing. It's almost like we're the same person. We are We are the same person, except my glasses are rounder than yours. Yeah, yeah. I don't think I could pull off round. And you need a mustache, really. If you really want to get in the game, you got to have a mustache. You know, I did one for a while. Uh, I had I a had beard to, for a I while, and then I just shaved beard. that off and left the mustache. And I think it lasted maybe two weeks. Wow. Yeah. Um, it's we're so up gray. It's just so gray. I have to say goodbye to Governor's Podcast. We're on the Governor's Podcast Network, which is part of it. Oop, that's them right now calling to say, get the hell off. For, they have to have a 15-minute window before the next show. They can't just push a button. So Tony Walker's coming up next uh, with Knock 'em Dead Comedy. We're saying goodbye to Govs right now. We'll see you tomorrow, Hi, Govs. Be with us Hi, tomorrow Govs. when Jeff Dwoskin will be the guest. <laughs> oh, they're gone. Bye, Govs. Yeah. I guess I could take their banner down, right? Um, now, we were talking about Dean Martin. I wanted to bring this up. Yesterday, I had a gig last night, and Kiara, who, my uh, co-host who's on sabbatical or missing forever, she's not going to sing Led Zeppelin songs anymore because she's watched a documentary that said Jimmy Page was a Satanist. And I, oh. I, I, I was like, uh, you know, that's old news, first of all. And I don't, believe, I don't think he was and all that kind of stuff. But then I started going to because you were talking about Dean Martin. You know who was a Satanist? Sammy Davis Jr. Oh, Sammy. really? Yeah. Really? I thought he was Jewish. He, he was Jewish, but then he became a Satanist. But he says he did it just for the sex and drugs. Uh -huh. uh, he he was going to Anton LaVey's uh, Satanist parties. And, yeah. yeah, I know. It is a good reason. But I, I And she thought I was ribbing her on that. And I was like, no, look it up. Sammy Davis Jr. was part of the L.A. Satanist scene back in the day and uh, it was a big thing going on and you know when i say back in the days 70s there was a lot of uh, you know sex drugs and rock and roll and it was all part around uh, anton lavey's uh, satanist party so i was like so if you're not gonna sing led zeppelin anymore because they're, they're satanists 
You got to cut out Sammy Davis Jr. You got to cut out Frank Sinatra. It's witchcraft. Uh, <laughs> you got to cut out uh, so many. I mean, who? ACDC, you can never sing Highway to Hell. I mean, come on. Yeah. That's got Satan right into it. Even American band, uh, Satan laughing you know what? with the Highway to Hell is just really about being in the music business, though. I mean, it's really about traveling. And... You're kidding. I thought it was about really like a road that you could get to hell in. Yeah, no, it's it, it's allegorical. It's a metaphor, my dog. Yeah. <laughs> really? I thought it was a toll road because I was looking for it. And my ass, my Uber driver, can you... <laughs> Can you take me on the highway to hell? And uh, basically brought me on the Long Island Expressway, which is pretty much the same thing if you think about it. Yeah. Um, <laughs> Jeez. So uh, wrapping this up, I want to get your, because later in the week, and your son is a, a rocket scientist, maybe you have some interest in this. And may, I didn't even talk to Kat yet about this. Later in the week, I'm having a guy on who claims he found Atlantis. Uh, do you have oh. any interest in that subject at all? And if so... What are your thoughts on it? Are Are you asking me? Yes, both of you, but you first. Yes, you first. Yeah, I, I just don't care. I you mean, don't care? yeah, I, I. You know what? If If I can't see it and I can't touch it, and it's not it's not something that I'm involved in, it just doesn't matter. I mean, it. it Let's talk about genealogy a little bit. So my dad is just totally, totally immersed in genealogy, and he has been since he was like in his 40s. And he keeps saying, um, you know, your great, 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 great grandpa, and then I just say, is dead. And, <laughs> and uh, um, unless... Are you sure? Yeah, unless, you know, my great grandpa, I... And my great-grandmother, I knew all the way up until my 20s when they passed. And um, they were terrible, awful, racist people. And I, knowing that, going further back, it's not going to get any better. So, <laughs> so, so unless one of these great-great-great-great-great-great-grandpas or grandmothers has a treasure map that is going to take me to a big box of gold, I really don't care. Wow. Um, and Atlantis, I don't care. It just. No, I get that. I get what you're saying about that. But on, on the other part, you uh, you could be walking around Alabama then and see people that remind you of your grandparents all, all the time. Yeah. Um, <laughs> but yes. your, your yes. great great grandparents, they could be like Dean cryo, uh, cryogenically, am I saying that correctly? Frozen and still around in some way. But yeah. I, I'm just <laughs> interested in. Ha uh, and because part of what we believe about the human race and all this stuff comes to us from all this ancient knowledge, and if, if it's all wrong, it it it, it, adds, it creates some questions about who we really are. And I, I am curious about the big questions, like you know the things that people believe in and all that stuff. Not that I'm a religious person at all; I'm not. But I'd want to know more about human origins and where we're coming from, uh, from and where we're going to, and you know, is this is this the be and be all and end all? But I, I get your point that it doesn't really matter in the yeah. end. Ten years from now, at the most, I'll be dead, and uh, and it won't matter to me. Yeah. <laughs> and I really, I really enjoy seeing people excited about things that they are into, and 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 understanding the person that is behind that. So 
what they are interested in may never hit my radar, but it's really neat to see people get excited about stuff. So yeah, yeah, yeah. not everybody in the world is going to want to do a podcast. Not everybody in the world is going to want to do stand-up comedy, and, and a lot of people just don't care about it. However, finding somebody who's passionate about it, and if that propels them to be a better person in some way or um, actually um, makes other people brings other people along and influences them to be better at their craft or a better person or something like that. that's great I, I i love to hear about what people are into i just don't want to necessarily get into it myself so when you say some somebody found atlantis um hearing their story would be great um however would I do a deep dive into Atlantis after that? No, I just don't care. It's, you know what? I'm gonna I'm gonna uh, cut out that snippet and play it for the guy. Not because I want to. <laughs> oh, Scott, Scott Curtis says you're a dick. I, that's not what I'm. I'm. I'm just going to get his a, a take on why should we care? Yeah. Why, should, why should we care? And you make that case very eloquently, better than me saying you should take. Now, <laughs> Kat, do you are you on the same page with Scott, or do you care at well, all? Well, first, I'm sad we just blew by that he said a deep dive into Atlantis. I mean, that was funny. Oh, <laughs> that was totally by accident. Okay. I, ah. However, uh, I, I guess I'm very skeptical in that. How is one person really going to find Atlantis? And, you know, there's probably a lot of stuff buried underneath layers of lava and water. I mean, to think that we're the only people that have ever inhabited this planet is kind of a little a little silly because there yeah. could be destroyed evidence. That would be interesting. But I think if it was real, I probably would have heard about it through actual science channels. So I'm skeptical too, where I'm like, Meh, I don't, yeah. you know, I, but I would listen. Cause like, like you said, it's interesting to hear when somebody's interested in something, but what, I would not. Uh, what if out. he found it? What if he found it in Lake Erie? <laughs> well, well, maybe? Uh, <clears throat> maybe he didn't find it in water. That's this is the interesting. It's actual land sources, and it's not. It's in. Uh, it's it's bigger than according, and it, he didn't find it. I should uh, correct okay. myself. It's a team of anthropologists and and real scientists who who really look at this for whatever reason they have to to be really interested in this. Is and some of them have some real credentials and and um, some hardcore science background, but. The odd thing is they didn't find it. They found it on top of mountaintop evidence for it, evidence mm. for it, and uh -huh. where they think. And I don't know where he's going to tell me it's actually located, but I know part of it is in Africa and part of it's in South America, and talking about that big split between the continents and all that stuff. It is interesting to me, and I think this is where it gets ridiculous. Some people want to make it like this magical place where they had spaceships and t technology far beyond us. I don't think if it ever existed, that was the case. I think they were probably beyond the wheel, beyond like what we were at maybe 500 years ago. And that was an advanced civilization, even though, you know, they had came up with the quill. Hey, I came, I invented the quill in, in ink. And that to, that was very advanced for 15,000 years ago, but not, they weren't doing spaceships. I though. think they came up with the Palm Pilot. Palm Pilot. <laughs> yeah. I haven't, yeah, wow. That's what my nickname in high school was, Palm Pilot. Oh, jeez. Uh, <laughs> Oh, tough okay. days, tough days. Uh -huh. <laughs> um, 
So it's, I really appreciate you being here this morning, Scott. And, and, yeah, it's great and, to catch up. Yeah, yeah. And don't be a stranger. Come back uh, periodically. I mean, you don't have to wait every six months to come back. I like to have rotating cool people on more often than six months. Also, you need cool people, too. I, 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 I have, ah, yeah, yeah, no, no. I have contact information for I, some I, of them. Well, you, you didn't give me one when I asked for one. You told me Jeff, you told me Jeff hooked you up, and that, good luck with that. Yeah, well, good luck with that. Have you ever seen the interview? Uh, yeah, I did. You know what? No, no, no. It, she blew me off three times. I know she did. Yeah, <laughs> I, I know. I, that's what I was getting at. I understand that. I'm she, not asking anymore. She, ske- she scheduled and then didn't. She, yeah, that's the, the same thing. I understand. She's yeah. dead to me. You know, that's. I think you're not Italian enough. <laughs> I really do. There. It, I'm, I'm, am I the bigot here or is she the bigot here? But I've had girlfriends who are very, very Italian Italian like that. She's Italian enough. I know. That's what I mean. (laughs) I've had girlfriends who were very Italian like her. And they, I've been told I wasn't Italian enough for them. Oh, I didn't, because they didn't dip bread in olive oil or something like, oh, you're not Italian enough. I think she got that with you. You're not Italian enough for her. Although she talked to Jeff Dwoskin, so. He, he's certainly not Italian enough. I yeah I yeah that's <laughs> that that one's a little bit of a thorn in my side. So uh, thanks yeah. for bringing that out. Oh uh, no problem. I, I anything else camp. I can hurt you with? Um, let me think. W- one thing else I uh, I can hurt you with before. Uh, well, I did call you Bigfoot on your birthday. I apologize for that. Uh, but <laughs> it, no, there's nothing else I can hurt you with. So I'll have to I'll have to think hard when we get on you ne- next time. Yeah, uh, next time I come, I'll I'll send you some things. Okay, cool. Yeah. Well, get back to work, man. You got work to do. Yeah, you know? I know, I know. Thanks for having me, Kat. It was nice meeting you. Yeah. Nice meeting you too. <laughs> don't get used to. It. She doesn't. She's afraid to. I, I would make her the permanent co-host now. If she would do it, but she's afraid of mornings, and she's uh, she needs somebody to push her in the pool. And then, mm-hmm. okay, mm-hmm. okay, okay. Well, it's only the first day. Okay. Be, be, behind behind the bits podcast, the Scott Curtis, the award-winning uh, father of a rocket scientist, very tall guy. Yeah. I mean, what nice what more could you ask for? Right. Maybe Thanks. some personality. I don't know. Yeah. No, 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 no. Let's get here. All right, uh, <laughs> Scotty, too hotty. Thanks for being here. Bye for now. Okay. Love you. Bye bye. Bye bye. Bye bye. The fabulous Scott Curtis, folks. Um, nice guy. Very yeah, nice no, guy. he's a good guy. Um, on the Potathon, did, did you see the segment where him and Jamie started getting a little uh, tense at each other? I didn't remember that till you said it, actually. Yeah, I, I, didn't I needed a break that. in the morning and I was going to let, because uh, Jamie had been on Scott's podcast and mm-hmm, um, mm-hmm. a couple of times. And I just thought, let Jamie handle this. And then uh, they start. Now, I it was kind of pre-planned but not completely as as it went and it started to get a little too real and somebody called mm. me up and said you better be, get back on there these guys don't <laughs> like each other no, oh yeah no then i definitely i don't remember that uh, maybe i was <laughs> sleeping i don't know and i had a guest on uh i can't remember her name now oh my god that's terrible i'm too old um <laughs> she um she is a classically trained actress and ballerina and from Czechoslovakia, but also a television star, Andrea Sooks. Sooks. She's been on she's been a regular on Law and Order and all and but she's a, a Broadway actress and uh 
and she was scheduled to come on later in the day. She had to change, and she just thought it would be okay just to show up. Then she was in the back room, uh, in the green room, while that was going on. And she oh. wrote, she wrote to me, "I didn't know this was a roast. I'm sorry. I, this is you know, I can't I can't be part of this." Oh, yeah. So I burned Oops. that burned that bridge by letting her see. Hey, that you that was a that was a big endeavor. I think you had mostly success with the potathon. Yeah, yeah, and you right. know, you got to understand that there's no way that thing's going to stay on schedule. It's like the Long Island Railroad. There's no way it could ever possibly stay on schedule. All these, all these local burns. Yeah, Long Island Railroad. We're going to have our Long Island inside jokes now. I guess. I, I well, I am. You know, he was talking about inside jokes. I, I do that way too often, and I know I've been told that for 35 years now. You, you're saying stuff that only you get, but I like making myself laugh. Then do it. Then do it. You're you're very different than Scott. I mean, I can see, and I looked at his podcast a little. I listened to a little bit of the one of the more recent ones, and he does focus on structure and and seeming like he wants to give the listeners something to take away from it. Whereas I think you're a little. You can be that way, but on this show, I mean, you're more about having fun. I think it's fine to banter. In fact, I love the I love the inside joke banter. But you're not putting it out on a on a on a recorded podcast for someone to listen to later. You're you're sort of you're you're but I mean you're you're doing it like fresh but you're I doing know, it fresh right. off the cuff like every morning. It's not like you record a bunch and and put them out each day. So I yeah, mean, my, I think my, a time and a place for that. My yeah. goal in life is just to make myself giggle if I can. If That's I a good can goal. Yeah. yeah. And it's like not always goal. easy. Sometimes sometimes you have to struggle to find things that are just totally ridiculous that will make you laugh. But yes. I, I I try my best. And I, I think I think laughter is contagious. If I'm laughing, then then even if you don't get the joke, you're probably going to say, well, he, he thinks it's funny. That's funny. <laughs> he thinks it's funny. It's funny. Uh, of I course, think, that's not a good strategy for a stand-up comedian. If I think it's funny, it's funny. Well, not a stand-up comedian. No, you can't stand up on, on stage and make jokes about things that only you understand, as right. as, <laughs> as as you know. As evidenced by probably a lot of people who try stand up for the first time <laughs> and get so, that wrong. Uh, have you ever done that? Have you ever done like an open mic or something? Because you're very funny. No, I have not. But when he was talking, when I asked him about um, how your coworkers knew you were funny, I guess I kind of had my own thing in mind, which is when you're in a serious meeting and you get a laugh out of a table of twenty cranky people, it's a good feeling. It's it's not quite a comedy setting yeah. uh but it does give you a little bit of a of, of a boost and you sort of think oh i'm a funny person and, and you do get a reputation around an office you've been there long enough of being like sort of the funny one but no i have i have never i have never done any kind of stand-up well not being falsely complimentary here you are very witty some of the the funniest comments uh, in the chat rooms on a, a consistent basis come from you and uh quick you know and i think that's Especially in a talk show format like this, that that's gold. Um, and that's not necessarily part of the stand-up world because stand-up is it looks like it's witty and uh, off the cuff, but it's rehearsed and planned right. uh, to be to be done well. Right, but, and uh, I would say I'm more of a reaction. Like I, I might have a funny reaction to something, but someone's basically feeding me uh, something that I'm playing off of, and I don't think that's not that's not what stand-up is. Right. That's, you know, that's that's like you said, that's a talk show. That's a banter. That's that kind of thing. And that's pretty much the only only the only ways I ever get laughs is if someone else is being funny 
or being super serious and I can jump in with something. And that's fun too. I mean, that's fun. But that's right. why I never thought like stand up. The only thing I ever seriously considered doing that was performative would have been some sort of singing, which again, I only doing now because well, I want to ask you about that. And before I let you go, we yes. have to talk about this because yes. <laughs> we should. Yes. <laughs> Let's you, talk about you it. have, you have a good voice and, and, um, I think an eclectic, is that the word I'm looking for? A taste in music. Like you, you have a wide range of uh, things that maybe um, not, people might have forgotten about or, or don't really, you know, think of when they think of uh, what, you know, what songs to sing at karaoke. Right. So right. getting up for first time in karaoke, was that a, um, did you need to be pushed into the pool for that? Or did was it just uh, having enough drinks in you? To get- I mean, the, fir- the first time I ever did karaoke. Yeah. Was probably in the 90s. I was, I was definitely already drunk. But I knew that I could sing. I grew up with a family that always sang. We sang around the piano. I didn't really play instruments growing up, but I knew I could sing. And I was in a play in high school or at a solo and all that kind of stuff. So the first time I got to do karaoke in front of my coworkers who had no idea I could sing, it was a rush because I got off the stage and they were like, wow, wow, that was was really good. Why don't you do something with that? And I just went, eh, need to make a paycheck. So no, I did not have to be pushed. And in fact, it was a really fun first thing. And I, you know, I, I've sang in front of people. I was in choirs, I had solos that that's so different than what I'm doing now. Um, but I will say eclectic taste. Yes. But it's just what I like. It's just what I connect with. It's just, I can't explain it. It's, I like old country music. I like Motown. I like, I like Over some night. You know, oh, oh, that's a great song. I the mean, words like, that are great. I, I, I uh... Yeah, because I was learning that song two years ago, and I had forgotten about it since it was on the radio. And I was like, right. wow, this was a great song, but I never heard right. any band do it. I never heard any singer do it. And then I right. saw you do it, and I was like, wow, how does she even remember that? And how does a karaoke <laughs> person even have that on their karaoke set? Like, wow. Um, oh, that particular place, uh, they, they they go to the internet if they don't have the songs. I think oh, she pulled okay. that from the internet. <laughs> All right, cool. Now, um Saturday night, uh, well, actually Friday afternoon, my agent called me and he said, uh, I got you on for tomorrow night, right? Saturday night. And I said, no, mm-hmm. we, I asked for that date and you said, no, it was no good. Cause when he first put it out, he said, uh, you said it was no good. And he didn't remember that. And he had somebody else booked on the date, but he didn't remember who. And now he was panicking. He said, can you do it anyway? And I called Kiara and she said, no. And I called a bunch of other singers and she, and they all said, no. Would you be uh, interested in doing a gig with, gig with me on Long Island sometime if something like that should happen and I get uh, yeah, hosted gig? If we could, uh, if we could, like do a little practice. No, before no it. rehearsal. <laughs> I don't believe in rehearsal. I've never rehearsed okay, anything okay. in my life. Could you tell me what song? I mean, yeah, yeah. We you could okay. send me a song list of, okay. that you sing that you know okay. you would be comfortable singing. And I, I would. Okay, yeah. I mean, that's that sounds pretty fun actually that oh, does that and cool. I, and and i it it doesn't scare me to sing in front of people the thing and i will okay let's talk about this one thing before we go okay the we, fact we, that we, you said at one point i don't remember when but in part of your weeks long uh, campaign to drag me onto the show I'm, you I'm said well, you no no you said what is the difference between recording something and putting it out and singing it live are you are you do you really forget what it was like for the first time to like sing and play in front of someone? It's Recording different. is harder to me. 
when, oh when the mic, when the, when the red light is going, I forget. I, I'm not oh. a one take person. Even though I've been record, I was a recording uh, studio uh, musician for. I'm not a one take guy. When they say, "Okay, ro- tape's rolling," okay. I suck. But live, I can play. Uh, so you know, I should have known that. So there is a difference. You're right. No. And well, and also for me because. People. Yeah, and, and for me, because the guitar, the, the songs I choose on the guitar right now, yes, they're songs that I like, but they are also songs with three or four chords that I can muster. <laughs> you know, this is very, that's the very new thing. So I, I, I'm i a little hesitant about picking up a guitar and playing something complicated. Not to say that I would never sing on the morning show and I would have to sing something that's in the range of my voice. And, you know, that's that's yeah. fine. But it is morning very voices different. voices don't wake up right away, too. I know that. Right. I mean, uh, right. I mean, I've been talking for a while. So I, I would, I, you know, if I ever did, I would do it at the end of the show. I mean, I reach over, pick up a guitar. But, you know. Yeah. Yeah. Well, <laughs> that would be good. Uh, uh, have you enjoyed this today at all? There, yes, very much so. It's will a you great do way it, to start. Will the you week. do it again? Everybody wants you to do it again. They all, they all love you. They want you to do it again. Now, I'm not asking for a commitment of a date or at this point, but just a, a uh, yeah, sure, I would yes. consider doing it again. Yes, I would absolutely come back. You are very welcoming. You're very sweet. We have so much more to cover. I'd be happy to come back. <laughs> and you know what? I it matters to me because I can't get along with everybody. I need to. <laughs> I need to feel a certain level of comfort with. with with my co-host, which is why I, you know, I wanted to try out a bunch of different people to see how it goes. Now, obviously, I know it would work with you, and I think it would be great. I just know you're not a morning person, and getting you to kind of do this every morning would probably be asking too much, especially at this point. But uh, well, I think you should also entertain your other guests. I mean, and consider maybe being flexible about who you have on, like a week at a time or something. I, I don't. I mean, what do you want out of it? You know. I just want to make myself laugh. I think I made that clear. Okay. I just want to. I want to get up every morning and find something to not be depressed about, because okay. the world to me is a very depressing place right now. I look at you know, and I, I think you know, I'm a political guy, and and I'm uh, I can't no matter how I try avoid the news, uh, and, and and stuff just bothers me. I see stuff going on, and then I walk out of here and I'm like, what's the point? We're all so fucking powerless. The world is going to hell. All I want to do is make myself laugh. And I think I said this to somebody. All I want to do is get high uh, and make myself laugh and maybe play some music and enjoy some of that kind of stuff. But we're all going to be dead soon enough anyway. <laughs> that's my ha- that's my happy, uplifting message for the end. That was that connected with me on every point. So I'm with you. That all every right, point. Cool. Well, <laughs> uh, do you think... Uh, in the future, if you come back and do this, it'll be, it's too early to even consider cocktail stuff. Like maybe we wait an hour, like an hour in, and maybe. I think if we if we kicked it off at the at the yeah later in the hour, and then people could you know be resp- I'm not saying I wouldn't be up for drinking, but I know that the last time you had a guest on that drank early, things went to hell in a handbasket real fast. So I don't think you wanna. Who? Oh. <clears throat> I don't know. Oh, Brad. <laughs> I didn't even know about that, and I, I'm not taking responsibility for that because uh, I am taking a, a small part of my part in it. But that was <laughs> that started even before he was on the program. It mm-hmm. started at two o'clock in the morning. He said he was up uh, mm-hmm. supporting Twitch streams and drinking from two o'clock yes. in the morning. So yeah, so I would make a cocktail perhaps, but I'm not going to be loaded at, at nine or ten. That's ridiculous. <laughs> 
All right, cool. Well, thank you so much for doing this thank today. You. I really appreciate it. I love you. Everybody loved you. You are Aww. a superstar, and uh, I, I appreciate all you've done here. So thank you. Thank you so much. <laughs> all right, we'll talk to you online. Bye for now. Okay, bye. bye. The fabulous cat, folks. I hope you enjoyed this oh, fake news. Husky Boyo saying me that's fake news. Come on. Uh, it's, it's absolutely uh, real news. Now, uh, I have not. I'm going to have to go review the actual crash. I am. I, I don't. I'm under the impression it was not Jamie like. It wasn't sitting in a chair and just crashing uh, to pieces. But um, we'll see. I got to go look at it. Anyway, uh, thanks for being here, everybody. I know you love cat. You put up with me. Hope you enjoyed Scott. Check out his podcast. If you're into the business of comedy, especially, it's a, it's a great one to check out. I'll be here tomorrow. Tomorrow, my guest will be Naomi Starr, who has been a, uh, my, guest, my co-host will be Naomi Starr, who's been a guest on the program. And she's in Vegas. So it's really, it's 6.30 for her, 6.30 a.m. she's going to be on. And then my guest for the day is Jeff Dwoskin, uh, live from Detroit. It's the Jeff Dwoskin Show. Uh, Jeff is a stand-up comedian who's been podcasting since the pandemic. Great guy. Uh, and I hope you'll enjoy him. So join me tomorrow. Thanks for coming. I got to find my music. I can't find my music. What's going on? I lost my music. Anyway, remember to turn on your radio. I'll see you tomorrow. Bye for now.
to me, listen to me, listen to me now. Listen to me, listen to me, listen to me now. Listen to me, listen to me, listen to me now. Listen to me, listen to me, listen to me now.